Hi there, I'm Brian Colon, and I'm the creator of Rampage, the arcade game, among others. And you're listening to the Pie Factory Podcast with Sean and Jim. And guest starring Tim. Was that a four or a five? I don't remember. That was a five. Yeah, five. five. Okay. I gave it a three. Oh, and by the way, um, a little sad note. uh, This uh, antique slash junk store in town, which is actually pretty cool here in Morris, it just opened. I was saying they had five arcade games and they had a duck hunt. It was an NES playing duck hunt. Oh, wow. So, yeah. It was an actual NES plugged up to a TV playing duck hunt. But I'm going to go back in there because they have maps. And they have some old Atari games and they have uh, some Odyssey 2 games and some stuff. So I, I guess we've been recording. Yeah. Um, and I should shut up because I'm not hosting this week. It's your job, Mr. Hostman. No, you are Mr. Hostman. I'm hosting tonight? Yes. I thought I hosted last week. No. So I guess that officially means that we've started recording and we're started the show by now. Wow. You know, my nickname is Awkwardness Personified. So. You know what I just realized? I just realized that there's a game for the uh, Arja Boy that has parallax scrolling. That blows my mind. That that little that little thing can have parallax scrolling on it. Oh, is that the Arduino thing? Yeah, it's an it's an it's a little miniature Arduino, black uh. and white, with a back with a backlight on it. Andy bought a two pack when they were being kickstarted, and isn't he dead? Andy? Yeah, he's dead. No, two pack. Uh, oh yeah, he's dead too. Oh, okay. At the same time, yeah, nineteen ninety two or whatever it was. Of course, he might be hanging out with Elvis. I hope so. Well, um, imagine yeah. that collab between the two of them. Oh my God! Wow, Elvis and Tupac and Bowie and Prince. There's a and concert and, and Lemmy, Lemmy and Aaliyah, John Lennon. Oh, they just do. Uh, uh, we are the world. That'd be great. We are all dead. <laughs> We're in the grave. We are rotting away oh, with actually, worms eating out our skulls. Really. John Lennon is in an urn. Oh, that's true. I hope he's not being protected by bats and ghosts. I got burned. I got turned into ashes. Now I'm in an old cookie jar on someone's shelf. Starting the show tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everybody. And that's all the time we have for Pie Factory Podcast. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to our Patreon sponsors. (laughs) Yeah, hey, everybody. Welcome to Pie Factory Podcast once again. From the irradiated wastelands of Kofifi, this is Jimmy G. I should really say that. That that joke's kind of past, hasn't it? Yeah, it was a really last week's joke. Yeah. 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 What's this Okay, week's joke uh, coming about? talking to you from uh, Harambe's hometown, this is Jimmy G. That That's joke. That's better. That's a little bit more yeah. up to date there. Timely. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is Jimmy G and And going ape about sixty miles northeast ish of Jimmy G is Sean. And we have Why did you Cooties. have we have cooties. At any rate, we have a guest from the confines of the tundra of Minnesota, or which is probably actually just as hot as we are here in Illinois. Who is that guest that we actually had record a drop before we started the show? Mr. Tim Evans. It is tropical here in uh, Minnesota. Not only are we topical, we're also tropical. <clears throat> yeah, tro- tropical and topical. Kind of like a kind of like a rash you get in Acapulco. Ooh, yeesh. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Less said, the better. So, how are you guys doing today? Yeah, I called in sick to work today because I I had some bad seafood. Yeah, that's a a protest. (laughs) This seafood sucks. I'm calling in sick. 
I don't know what, but I was just, I woke up and I went, oh God, no. Like one of those days, you know, I, I, I don't, I never take sick time, but like, uh, I was like, no, this isn't going to happen. My cubicle is too far away from the restroom. I can't do it. So what have you all been doing? What have you been playing? What have you been up to? That sort of thing. I've just gotten way too laid back in my like hosting duties. It seems of course I have, do have my feet kicked up right now. Well, taking the finish off the armoire. Yeah, what, I, I'm going to answer your question before you keep talking. I have been playing Asteroids Deluxe on the 7800. Now, why would that be? Because it is part of the Atari Age High Score Club. You sure, there's to, not another reason. You get to choose between Asteroids and Asteroids Deluxe, and for bonus points, you could play the Atari 2600 Asteroids, which I did. I played Game One, Difficulty A, until I rolled the score, and then I said, "Oh, screw this! This is enough for bonus points." So, yeah. <laughs> Are you sure I, there's not another reason you were playing that? Like, what could possibly be another reason? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a specific podcast might be talking about it soon. What, like some kind of Atari 7800 homebrew podcast, perhaps? Because that is a homebrew perhaps. on the 7800. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you never know. I mean, it's just a, it's just a feeling I got. I, I don't just know that out any there. podcast. Yeah, just throwing it out there. You know, throwing, the, throwing it against the wall, seeing what sticks. You know, that sort of thing. Now it's garbage. So, uh, and I've been playing tonight's games, too. Well, specifically one game, but actually, no, actually, I did go to Underground Retrocade since we last uh, released a episode, and I did play one of the games there. So, yeah. Oh, nice. And I played the other one at home. Which one? Ooh, we'll get to that. <laughs> I've been playing new games like a weirdo because somebody... What, like you're holding controller with your foot? No, I've been... Yeah, well, I've been playing part of them with my finger and then part of them with my tongue. It's weird. But uh, yeah, somebody uh, got me some uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, PS Vita games on eBay as a birthday gift, and I've been going through Ooh. them. So, yeah. oh sweet, yeah. And then the, you know it's funny because nobody bought that system, so there's a lot of stuff that nobody's played. They released but, some uh, really weird stuff in the United States that you wouldn't think would get released, like really awkward Japanese uh, rhythm games and that sort of thing. Sweet. Uh, I, I'm still jealous of Sean's, uh, what was that, GPX? GPD. GPD. XD. Uh, SD. Been thinking XD. About, I've been XD. XD. Whoa. Well, X. It's not standard definition, huh? No. Extra dope. It's, it's yeah. xenophobic definition. <laughs> yeah. I have not been playing a whole lot of games I lately other than the ones we're talking about thing. tonight. Huh. Probably could. It's got enough buttons, I think. You know what I really want, though? I want one of those, uh, speaking of, like, handhelds and stuff, uh, the Vita, I want that uh, Pandora system from Europe. It's like a little Linux PC, but it looks like a Nintendo DS. It's designed to run emulators. And I have, I apparently it runs my, MAME really well. I haven't worked on my Raspberry Pi at all lately. I need to deal with that. But uh, Other than the games we're talking about tonight, I haven't really played a whole heck of a lot because I've been busy all weekend fighting a tent. Oh, yeah, um, I had my uh, Bike MS uh, event over this last weekend. And, I uh, saw that. Yeah, for some reason, I was able to ride my bike over the course of two days, 100.3 miles in 35-mile-an-hour winds. Couldn't Damn. come the first day, Damn. but I completed Sorry. the second day. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that was quite a uh, quite an achievement. And I just want to take one quick moment here to, uh, to thank everybody that donated to me. Um, 
first of all, most of them are people I went to school. Half of them are people I went to school with. Uh, Rich Blagan, uh, Sherry Markwell, Maria Wells, uh, Sally Love, Uncle Pooh's Tinkle Pit, uh, Underground what? Retrocade, Dennis Kekik, who's actually my boss at work, Bobby Idad Moore, and uh, Robert Ferguson. Uh, Ferg donated while I was actually on the uh, riding my bicycle on Saturday, so that was kind of neat. It's a booger snot, that's for sure. Oh. So uh, thank you all for uh, for donating and being generous. I'm going to ride again next year. Uh, the uh, registration's not open as of yet, and one of them, after hearing about my troubles with my tent, also offered to uh, spring for my hotel room for next year. So Ooh. there you go. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I, I still can't believe it. It was like. I got there on Friday, set my tent up. It wasn't too windy or anything yet. No, like I slept fairly comfortably in there. It was a just a tent that I got off a of free cycle. And then the next day, you know, it's not windy yet. I get on my bicycle and I ride and I get back and I see that my tent has collapsed along with some others in here. And I just set it back up. But then I had then I went out to grab a go grab a shower and get something to eat. Then I come back and it's collapsed again, but then I noticed one of the poles shattered so i had to sleep in my car saturday night so that was fun shattered yeah it shattered well maybe not shattered but uh like splintered it it, it wasn't holding weight anymore weird Um, yeah uh it's it's kind of weird how it happened but anyway had a good time uh i'm doing it again next year and uh thank you to everybody who donated uh, but I did get some time to play some of the games, the, tonight's games, and I don't think I've played much of it. Oh, and I totally forgot about that one game I was hinting at last week that I wanted to bring up, too, now that I think about it. Oh, do tell. Yeah, well, later. So, uh, I guess we should move on to, like, news and messages and emails and letters and yeah, stuff. Yeah, what, what news uh, have we? Yeah, uh, well, um, <clears throat> ColecoVision. Oh, yes. Tell us about this year's Coleco fiasco. Is that, it's uh, going to be an annual thing, you know? It's got to be at this point. I, I think it's going to replace uh, It's going to replace uh, the uh, English-speaking uh, New Year's. <laughs> uh, you can probably set your calendar by how often there's going to be a Coleco scandal. Apparently, the guy at River West Brands, uh, Chris Cardillo, filed a takedown. Actually, I don't think he's with a- River West Brands. I think uh, they, they sold it to somebody else who... Cardillo guy is part of it. I don't think he's actually associated yeah, with... I, I, in reading the thread, it's really confusing. It, it uh, really regardless. Is. The whole thing. But needless to say, uh, Chris Cardillo, whether he is or isn't with uh, River West Brands, issued a takedown notice uh, against a ColecoVision fan page because they were reviewing games uh, that uh, he wasn't happy with or some stuff like that. And uh, the whole thing is a total cluster. And it, the more the more they were they were looking into it, the more it looks like that he got his he got or well let's just say River West Brands got the uh, ColecoVision trademark in a shady manner. Ben Heck built a uh, everyone knows Ben Heck. He's famous for taking game consoles and making them portable, or in the case of the Game Boy, blowing it up to massive proportions. <laughs> uh, the Game Boy we saw at uh, the Midwest Gaming Classic last year uh, was the size of the armoire that I'm uh, resting my feet on right now, actually, and I'm not joking either. And But he made a portable handheld ColecoVision as a commission. Two years later, somebody comes by, I think it was Chris Cardello, saying, uh, hey, uh, you know, would you like to license the ColecoVision name for like a buck? And he did, uh, not knowing that Chris didn't own the ColecoVision name. This is, I don't have any of the details. This is all on a thread on Atari Age. 
then he used the picture of Ben Hecht's portable ColecoVision to apply for the trademark, uh, the, the ColecoVision trademark. And what happened was that uh, the reason he did that is because you have to prove that you're going to use a trademark to, to get it from the trademark office. And he showed that, and they never made that thing. And I could go on and on about this, but really, I'm going to direct everybody to the uh, completely unnecessary podcast, uh, the last episode. I can't remember the, the number off the top of my head here. What but, are the uh, Link in the show notes, and they really went in depth on this whole thing. The whole thing is just a big cluster. So, you know what? I oh, and also while this is all going on, he he created his own ColecoVision fan page on of Facebook. Of course he did. Yeah, of course he did. Why wouldn't he? Why not? So the whole thing is a, just a big cluster. And um, yes. That having been said, there are uh, me and Sean have hinted at a Prometheus game system. Which is basically the ColecoVision with uh, op, was it Opcode Games yeah. Super uh, Game Module uh, pre-installed in it, and they've been working on it for some time. And come to find out, there is a second um, ColecoVision console coming out, and this one is by uh, Collector Vision. And apparently, they have been working uh, working together on their different projects, uh, you know, helping each other out because it's it's a friendly competition. But uh, they these these two devices do have different markets. The, uh, the Collector Vision console, which I was leaning toward getting, is going to be compatible with, uh, the what did they say, ColecoVision, the MSX, the uh, Sega SG-1000, the Sega Master System, I believe, and the Atari 2600. It will only have a ColecoVision cartridge slot on it, but it will have an SD card slot so you can run games from the other systems. And I am seriously considering that. But really, nice. I'm considering both of them, but I only have, well, I don't really have money for either of, either of them, but that's here or there because they're not out yet probably be another year before either of them are out but that's yeah i think the uh prometheus is due out the end of 2018 yeah but uh, they're both been showing making some some really good progress on it oh yeah and um something else atari box don't ask me what it is nobody really knows oh jimmy g just the website popped up and said coming are soon you, atari box are you sure that it's not just a uh, jaguar with the super nintendo in it Wow, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that joke, I would have lots of dollars. Hey, hey, Jimmy G. Yeah. What's this Atari box? Oh, I'm sorry. You said don't ask. Never mind. Sorry about that. <laughs> Nervous laughter. So, anyway, that's some uh, some news right there. Um, you have any guys have any news or anything you want to talk about? Uh, I live under rocks. So I don't have any news. Well, I wasn't asking you. I live I'm under really... Pakistan, so I have just <laughs> as much. Uh, See what I did there? I live under a steel sky. I don't know. Nice. I live beneath a steel sky. Yeah, there we go. Hmm. All right. And Dunda and Arata have 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 we any Yeah. Yeah, we uh, have a couple. Actually, you know what? I gotta pull up my cell phone because Duke was sending me uh, a bunch of A and E through text message as he was listening to our past episodes. So uh, let me see. Uh, Oh, yeah. Apparently in an earlier episode, I had claimed that on Twin Galaxies, if you have, what was it, submission points? I don't know. But whatever I said about whatever you need to create your own track on Twin Galaxies. Whatever I said, it was wrong. It was the other kind of points you have to have. I don't remember what I said, but hey, you know what? That's that. It happens. Uh, 
And let's see. Um, he says, I'm listening to episode 55, exclamation point, smiley face. You're mistaken about centipede. Shots only appear as arrows in millipede, which was originally entitled Centipede Deluxe, sequel to the original classic. Total classic. And it says here, another misconception. Centipede does not have a limited live setting, just as millipede with five archers at all, not even on the tournament slash hard. So uh-huh. there we go. We regret any um, inconvenience those uh, errata might have caused or did cause. Oh, also, any of you were trying to get any of our past podcasts through uh, piefactorypodcast.com and you couldn't get them, um, uh, that was my bad. A couple of the links were broken. They should be fine now. Oh. Your bad oh, what? Uh, bad was as a substantive, meaning an adjective being used as a noun. Grammar lesson from Sean. Ding. The more you know. And uh, yes, before I get a flood of mails again, um, I know the Pretenders tune is not Space Invaders. It is Space Invader. So there. Stick that in your pipe. I was pretending it was called Space Invaders. (laughs) It's a showbiz thing. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. So next time I get kicked in the hind for saying that. Whoa. I see what you did there. Uh, What about you guys? Do you got uh, any addendums or erratums? Nope. Oh, and uh, Vertvik sent us a uh, YouTube video of his in-home game room over at Shea Marlin. That was a nice little uh, video he showed us there. Thank you, Vertvik Viper. Are you Thank jealous? you, Vert. Are you jealous of his game room? No. No? Seriously, dude, I am not jealous of anybody who owns an arcade machine at all. Because, first of all, that those things got to suck up a lot of electricity. They got to. Oh, sure. And second of all... The maintenance. I just wouldn't have the patience to deal with having to replace parts and all that. It's just not my bag, baby. And I'm <clears throat> I'm used to apartment living, too, so I, I really wouldn't have use for it. So I was tempted once at a flea market when somebody had a upright Qbert for sale for like 150 bucks, but it didn't work. I was tempted. I was tempted, but I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know. At least at my the, this point in my life, I'm all about, like, less stuff yeah yeah and i always said if i were ever to own a arcade game it's going to be a cocktail table oh man that would be the way to go because that, that's your coffee table right yeah. there yeah i mean like hey this is a coffee table and you know what else it's also super pac-man yeah well that all having been said uh, we really have much of anything else rada news that sort of thing um i don't believe so so what do you say we talk about some games? We talk about some games, I say. Awesome. And I'm going to decide what game we talk about first. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do talk it. about Duck Hunt. Ah, uh, Duck Hunt. Yay, Yay Duck Hunt. That's the only way you can say it. There's no funny way of saying it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hunt, duck. comma, duck. Yep. Yeah, Michael. So. Anyway. Um, <laughs> duck <laughs> Hunt was actually first out on the Famicom, released April 21st, 1984, and then a Nintendo VS versus whatever you call those things. That kind of an arcade version came out in March of 1985. And not only that, but there were actually two different arcade versions, one being the Play Choice 10 and one being the VS version. Long story short, uh, the Play Choice 10... Uh, those of you who don't know, and I'm going to be kind of rustic on this myself, and you know what? 
I don't care. I don't get paid to do this. But I do put my heart into it. And what little heart I have, a Play Choice 10 is basically... The way I like to look at it is it is an arcade version of a Nintendo Entertainment System console that will hold up to 10 games. I'm going to talk about the, the Play Choice 10 version first. Uh, long story short, too late. Uh, long story short, the Play Choice 10 version appears to be a direct copy of the NES home version. You choose the number of players and also which game variation you want. There are three game variations. One of the variations, there's one duck flying past you at a time. Another variation, there are two ducks flying past you at a time. And there's a third variation in which you don't shoot at ducks at all, but you shoot at these clay pigeons, which aren't really pigeons, but basically um, boring dinner plates. And uh, whatever the target is, being a duck or a clay pigeon, there are ten per round. You know, I, I'm thinking of the, the movie... Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Exactly. That's the first thing that came to my mind as well. <laughs> ah, great it. minds think alike. Don't know if I've ever seen the movie, but that was in the trailer. Okay. Starring uh, Christina Applegate in her first starring role in a film, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyway, you okay over anyway. there, Tim? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, as ever. Was I mean, it the bad as seafood? As ever. No, not okay. this time. All right. Now, he um, had to adjust the microphone with one hand. <laughs> and having all said that, um, <laughs> at a time. Let's see. Have, did I say the courtesy to speak English? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's also the VS version, which is, I believe, considered to be the um, de facto standard arcade version. And in the mm -hmm. VS version, there are no variations to, from which to select. Instead, you are given three rounds at a time. You're given two rounds in which two ducks are on the screen that you got to try to shoot. And then you get a third round, which is the clay pigeon round. And then after that, there is a bonus round. And the way the VS version works is you miss a target, you lose a life. And you can adjust the dip switches such that you get three lives or five lives. And in this VS version, there are 12 ducks per round or 12 targets per round instead of 10. Now, I did notice um, something. Do tell. Because I used to own an NES. And for the most part, the NES and PlayChoice 10 games are essentially the same game. The way I remember it working on the, on the NES slash PlayChoice 10 version is at the bottom of the screen, you'd have like your score and all that, but then you'd have two lines, one with a line of ducks, which were all grayed out, and then I think a line of ducks that were, that were I, I don't remember what color they were. And what you had to do is shoot enough ducks, more ducks, and each, each duck you shot would be uh, highlighted in white in the upper line. Yes. And then what happens when you would miss one, it would blank it. Then at the end of the round, after all the ducks are gone, it would condense them down. And if you had more ducks on the upper line than you did on the lower line, you passed to the next round. So you're saying Whereas it puts all I your did... ducks in a row. But I didn't realize that the versus version was, uh, it was every time you missed one, it was a, a lost life. Yep. Hardcore, man. Yep. Yeah, no kidding. Yep. So I talked about the differences between the two without even talking about the gameplay. But uh, uh, you shoot ducks. There you go. You get a light gun. You see a duck. You shoot the duck. What more do you have to say? Well, okay, well, it's I've... not quite that simple, I guess, because you're given oh. three shots per round. 
if you're doing the play choice or NES version, you get a choice of either one duck or two ducks and three bullets in which to shoot that one or those two ducks. And of course, the VS version, you don't have a choice. You get two ducks on the screen and three bullets with which to shoot them. And um, at the beginning of the game, there is a some sort of a hound, might be a beagle, I can't really tell, it might be a generic hound. And as far as anybody can tell, that dog's name is, anybody? Something dog? D-O-O Economics. Yes, dog. The dog's Yay. name is Dog, as far as we know. He's basically your hunting dog. He <laughs> will jump into the greenery and scare the ducks out of the greenery and make them fly into the air so that you can shoot them down or at least attempt to shoot them down. Jimmy G, do you need to go visit Uncle Pooh? <laughs> no, I don't need to visit Uncle Pooh okay, or the Tinkle okay, Pit. It sounds like you, it sounds like you do. I just I'm just putting some well, uh, What happens? What happens if you miss all your ducks? Then you die. What does the dog do? What what does dog do? Oh, what dog does? Well, first let me tell what you what happens do? if you hit a duck. Uh, if you well, it depends. If it's the Play Choice 10 version, then if you hit a duck, dog will retrieve the duck. If it's the VS version, if you miss a duck, dog will laugh at you. The dog will laugh at you, and you will try to shoot the dog, but it won't work. Because oh. normally, when you start mm. a round, the dog is shown coming from the, what, left? Something and like that, yeah. He, he's sniffing, and you hear this jaunty little tune. You know, you know, and and then he goes, yep, exactly, and then jumps behind the the shrubbery. I always thought it was interesting how the ducks, when they're flying around, sounds like some sort of like a bizarre clack. Everything four, they go like, yeah, 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 they do. But you know what, Sean, keep talking because there was something about. Something that I want to keep I, talking. I, I want, okay, Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, Mr. Dabalina. <laughs> oh, you mean about the game? Okay. About the game. Oh, about the game. Um, let's see. Um, so yeah, in the play cho- in the play choice ten version, if you miss both ducks on the screen, then uh, the dog laughs at you. I don't know. I'm I'm all confused now. Thanks, guys. No problem. Not a problem. Uh, what else? That's pretty, that's really pretty much it in terms of the gameplay. Uh, and I have a, in my notes here for the episode, I have a heading called Minimum Duck Killage. I seem to remember there was a band in Joliet with that name, Minimum Duck Killage. Hmm. Uh, but it's a good uh, name. Did you talk about the, the, uh, the clay pigeon screen or the, uh, versus, uh, bonus round? Oh, you mean the bonus round in which you can actually shoot the dog? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fine. It ends. The, it, 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 yeah, yes. Talk about that. Peter loves this game. Uh, continue. <laughs> but the thing is, like, you shoot the dog, and it's kind of like a Tex Avery cartoon because his face turns black, and it's got the fur going all the way back, kind of like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Nice. Like a, he, like an exploding cake just blew up in his face. Exactly. Exactly. And he walks out with a crutch. Actually, he walks out with a yeah, pair no. of crutches, <laughs> and he scolds you for shooting him. Isn't one of his legs in a cast? Yes. Yes, and he says, ouch. <laughs> Just hit. like a typical cartoon. He's like, ouch, shoot the ducks, not me. <laughs> and it ends the bonus round. It does. Um, unfortunately, you can't uh, get the maximum points, but yeah. it feels so satisfying after that guy laughing at you all these years. Yep, sure does. Yeah. So, Something is better. You know what he is? He's, he's the canine oh, equivalent. I didn't say to, that. He's the canine equivalent to that voice in Gorf. 
some galactic the, uh, destroyer or, you are. My blood pressure just went up listening to that. But uh, so yeah, what is there anything else I didn't bring up yet in terms of uh, yeah, duck hunt? Oh yeah, the minimum duck killage uh, rounds one through ten. You have to kill a minimum of six. Well, I don't know if they actually die because it looks like they're still alive when they come like crashing down to the ground. Zombie. I, I love the animation of how they uh, like spin. That <laughs> is spin, great like, animation. I love that. I love. But you have. You have to shoot six ducks. Rounds 11 and 12, you have to shoot seven. Rounds 13 and 14, you have to shoot eight. And rounds 15 through 19, you have to shoot nine. And rounds 20 and above, you have to shoot ten ducks. Now, this is the versus version, correct? I think it is the versus version. I think it is. And uh, in terms of the scoring points, points scoring, whatever... Uh, there are three different colors of ducks. There are black ducks, there are blue ducks, there are red ducks. And blue ducks are 500 points for the first five rounds, 800 points for the next five rounds, and then 1,000 points each for rounds 11 and higher. And blue ducks and clay pigeons both are worth 1,000 points for the first five rounds, 1,500 points for the next five rounds, and 2,000, or as we say in Chicago, 2,000 Excuse me, 2,100 100, 100 points 20, for rounds 11 and above. And the red ducks, 1,500 points for rounds 1 through 5, 2,400 points for rounds 6 through 10, and 3,000 points from for round from, 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 uh, rounds 11 and above. And if you have a perfect round, you get a bonus of 10,000 points. Yay. For the first 10 rounds. And then for the next five rounds, 15,000 points. And then the next five rounds, 20,000 points. And then for rounds 21 and higher, 30,000 points. Yay. You could easily, if you're good at this, you could easily score some points on this, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I played this on the NES a lot, and I have never, uh, as an adult, I did it as a kid, but as an adult, I've never gotten to a point where I gamed over because I think the NES version is just too easy. I could just keep going. Until well, I get maybe for work. you. Uh, well, I am really good, so that does help. You know, being the responsible uh, NRA member that you are. The cart carrying, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, that was hard to keep a straight face while saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Oh, and in case Hyde didn't edit this part out of the recording, we were discussing earlier the prospect of possibly uh, Shigeru Miyamoto being the designer of Duck Hunt. Um, not likely. Yeah, probably not. Because Duck Hunt is essentially a clone, a remake of a 1974 game from Atari called Quack! Quack. Q-W-A-K exclamation. It was about a doctor who went around selling snake oil. Andrew Wakefield. Um, wait a minute. Wait, isn't that the guy from uh, Xenophobe? I think so. Yeah. Oh, 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 you know what? Dr. Quack. You know what? I didn't talk about the kill screen. There's a kill screen? There's a kill screen in Duck Hunt. Wow. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Um, If you complete round 99, what happens is there are only 99 rounds programmed in the Duck Hunt, and when you clear that 99th round, it resets to zero. And if you're playing game mode A of the Play Choice or NES version, things kind of go haywire, like ducks will kind of just randomly flash on the screen, and basically, you can't really play it at that point. Crazy. That's insane. That's like some Zelda hitting the cuckoos. 
Oh, guys, did you know this? There were home versions of Duck Hunt. What? No. Yeah. Really? The NES had it. No. Yeah. That, make, that makes sense. That the yeah. NES but would have it. Since, next since thing you know, you're going to tell me it was a pack-in. Um, were you looking at my notes? It was a pack-in? It was. No. Don't tell me it came with another game, or maybe even two. Oh, On the man. same cartridge. I, I don't want to. Come on, man. I don't want to have too much excitement in one episode. <laughs> and there's also a version for the Wii. Is there? There is. Yeah, they made a, a version for the Wii that would that would work on modern day TVs. Was it a virtual console type thing, or was it a modernized thing? I think it's more of a modernized thing. So kind of like what they did with Punch Out. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly what they did. Huh? That's you pretty know, cool. Way, I've always wondered why they couldn't get they can't get these things working with the modern TV. I, I, I always thought it had something to do with like the refresh rates on it. I think it's scan lines. I think it's because modern TVs are made out of crap. Well, but that goes without saying. Yeah. Wasn't Phil telling us that there is something you can get that you can stick in front of your mo- your modern TV that will make light guns work properly with them? I don't know. Well, I'll have to ask Phil. Or somebody was. I don't know. I do know that there was... Wait, wait, wait. Was that... Um... I was thinking there was... I was hearing somewhere that uh, there someone was reworking Sega Master System light gun games to work with modern TVs. I would think that the way that they would work, because the, even the arcade, the versus Duck Hunt, uh, every time you click the trigger on the gun, it, like, highlights in a white box, you know, your target. Right. And it registers it like a camera. And I, I would think that there would be a way to do that with a modern TV unless the modern TVs aren't right enough. I think or, it's because they're. It's, I think it's because they're not curved. They put the curve into the equation there, mm-hmm. and modern TVs are perfectly flat. Which would beg the question: Couldn't they just alter the code a little bit of these games, and you could just alter the code of the game to work on a modern TV? And you could always get like a reproduction card or something to play on your your NES or whatever. True. There's got to be a way around it. There There's got to be, but I don't. I don't know if there if anyone's done it. Does this mean that if you have a flat screen CRT, it'll it won't work properly. Exactly, because I have right. a flat screen Sony TV that I play most of my retro games on, and it and Duck Hunt plays okay, but not right. Hmm. Will it work with an older style projection TV? No, will not. Okay, I was wondering about that because my buddies gotta... had one when we were kids, and that was obviously because they had a huge TV. That's the place we always went to play games. Right. And uh, I remember we couldn't play Duck Hunt, we couldn't play um, Shooting Gallery, and we couldn't play. Uh, Oh, what is that game that you? It's it like you shoot to jump. Uh, it's a black Gumshoe. label. Gumshoe. There you go. That's a fun game. It is a fun game. It's a nice, in, uh, an interesting, unique concept for that, uh, a light that game. Actually, game. that game would be the one to test a TV with because that game you have to be quick with where you shoot. Uh, yeah, you that's know, true. Hmm. You'll fall in a pit or something. You know. That's what, true. Wait, were we talking about ET now? Uh, <laughs> Not the pit. Yeah, Tinkle Pit. Ooh. Tinkle Pit with the like. Yeah. I, I also recall that, um, I mean, we're talking about, you know, TVs not working with some of these peripherals. The Sega Master System had those awesome uh, 3D glasses. That doesn't work. Those don't work with uh, modern TVs, but that's because of the refresh rate. Oh, okay. TVs. Those 3D glasses kicked Major League ass. And some of the 3D games that Sega made for the Master System that required the glasses. Uh, a couple of them you could actually play without them. I know Zaxxon 3D, If when you turn it on, before you start the game, if you hit the pause button, you can select between 2D and 3D. Space Harrier you can, but I think you got to get like a, like on the high score table 
So you have to play the game in 3D without the 3D glasses before you can turn the 3D off. That's insane. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, at least you can still do it. I uh, really want to get one of those 3D uh, headsets for the Vectrex. Oh, yeah. I play mine. Those. those are weird. They're so common. I'm sure I'll find one. So Was that sarcasm? Of course, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, it's easier to find the Sega Master System 3D glasses by far. It's easier to find a finding it with the adapter that you need is a different story altogether. Hmm. What more have you to say about Duck Hunt, Sean? Well, um, I can do my usual tired thing of talking about high scores. We could do that, or we could talk about where you first saw it. I'd rather get the high scores out of the way. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. So, um, see, I got to make the call, even though I'm not the host this week. Um, anyway, uh, Twin Galaxies only records the VS version, which Randy Lawton has the world record Randy. of a million thirty-three thousand three hundred verified June second two thousand. But if you go over to Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com, um, it agrees wholeheartedly that it was Randy Lawton with that exact same score performed during Fun Spot Two on May 29th. Nice. That's quick. You only, it only took like four days to get that verified. Verified, yeah. Usually it takes like a couple nice. of weeks. Congrats, Randy. I wonder how That's many uh, perfect uh, rounds Extremely nice score. Yeah. But there again, if you can do in the higher levels, like yeah, three yeah, perfect if you, rounds. If you get into a groove, you know. Yeah. That would be achievable uh, by somebody who's actually got good aim, which in other words, not me. <laughs> or me. So, or me. Yeah. <laughs> so... So, uh, what were you saying there, uh, uh where, did you, where did you first see the game in, in the Versus version in the arcade? Nowhere. Yay! <laughs> I, I did Castle, all my... Louis Joliet Mall for me. Really? Huh. Yep. I did not know it was there. Yeah, they had it there. And then I also saw it at the Putt-Putt Golf and Games, and then, of course, I saw the Play Choice 10 version. I mean, let's be honest. For the game I'm going to talk about, I didn't even go into the Play Choice 10 version because... <laughs> I did. Why bother? But we'll talk oh, about that. Oh, did, did you? How about, how about yeah. you, Tim? Uh, where did you first see um, the Arcade Duck Hunt? I first saw the Arcade Duck Hunt the same place I saw my first PlayChoice 10 machine, which was uh, Piccadilly Circus in Harmar Mall in Roseville, Minnesota. Ooh, Piccadilly Circus. Yeah. What's that? Uh, it was just a little arcade that had, you know, mostly arcade games, a uh, couple of uh, car- okay. carnival games like, you know, skee-ball and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, and then it had, of course, a prize counter that had stuff that you could never possibly afford. But, yeah, that was the first time I ever saw it. And I thought it was really cool because at that point I had already played it at, uh, at home. I must have been probably seven or whatever. And uh, I had already played it at home because it came with, you know, everyone's NES. And we yeah. had already, you know, been in the, on that bang bang for a while. So, yeah, that was cool. But when I played it, I was way worse than I was at home. <laughs> Because it was, uh, I'm assuming, the Versus version and not the, you know, uh, um, the regular NES-type gameplay. Yeah, they do use the harder version of that, uh, especially if you are using MAME and a keyboard. Yeah. Ooh, ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta use a mouse. Gotta use a mouse for that. Yeah, for some reason, I can't use the trackpad that way, but, uh, oh, well. Should be able to. But if you're talking about any version of Duck Hunt... Then that would be the Kmart on Larkin Avenue in Joliet, Illinois, back when it was first out, because there was a Nintendo, the fact that I first saw the NES on display out there, and I was like, I don't like this, I I just want to stick with my Commodore 64. But yeah, Duck Hunt, uh, that was the first time I ever saw the PlayChoice 10 and Duck Hunt 
outside of my living room or some of them, someone else's living room. Um, and it was really tough. But uh, like I said earlier, um, I think that when I went back to collect NES games and I played Duck Hunt, the uh, Duck Hunt multi-cart, I got to a point where I couldn't lose. Like I was just like, yeah, I can just do this one-handed. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the light bulb trick because my room was yeah. really lit up or something. That could be. Or the, or the think, NES version is just way too easy. Well, I was able to actually play similarly, but that's because if you have a controller plugged into port 2, player 2 can actually uh, guide the ducks in the NES version. Oh, really? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plug that's a controller awesome. in port 2, and player 2 can guide the ducks around the screen. I think it's even in the instruction manual. Wow. And I wonder if you could do that on the PlayChoice 10 version. I don't know. I I can't imagine. I can't imagine. So. Yeah, I don't. I think there's it's, only it's one gun the on the PlayChoice Ten. Well, yeah, one gun, but uh, they have two uh, controller setups on it. Oh, that's true. Hmm. I just can't I mean, see them letting that go because of, I, it wouldn't. Um, that would no, that's the PlayChoice Ten, not the Versus version though. The oh, Versus true. version is different. Scott Lambert, uh, Underground Retrocade. Didn't he one time uh, tell us that the uh, the game? Or no, no, that wasn't the Neo Geo. I thought somebody was telling us that the games for the uh, the Versus system, or not the Versus, the Play Choice 10 were actually, the cartridges, while basically the same program, were not the same size as the NES That games. You're thinking of uh, the Neo Geo, and that was actually, um, I believe that was No Swear Gamer. Yeah, you're right. I think Scott told us something like that, though. Hey, and of course, have. I don't have my emails. He might have. We're so prepared tonight. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Well, for all the irony is, we've probably got the most notes we've ever written, yeah. and we're not prepared. <laughs> and I had my notes ready yesterday too. I was like, "Look yeah, at me! Look, I've you, done you, a you day like early." Three, four pages of notes here. <laughs> so, what do you guys? I'm not the host. I'm not. Yes, you are. This. Oh yeah, I am. Ain't I? So, what, what am I thinking? I'm like so confused. I'm the one drinking, guys. Come on. Well, actually, I, just I did stuff. have a vodka lemonade. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah but I'm on my like I'm on my fifth vodka sparkling water right now. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, just, uh, cucumber lime svedka mixed with lime Lacroix uh, sparkling water hmm. and ice. I don't know who this Long Island guy is, but he sure makes a great iced tea. <laughs> Mark Simpson. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Yeah. So, Sean, what do you think of Duck Hunt? Let's go with the versus version. Versus version. Nah, I, I don't care much for it. It's no. I, th- I think, well, I don't know. I, I might need to spend more time with it. But the thing is, well, that's where, true. how am I going to do that? There isn't anywhere around here that has it. Or at least no, nothing listed in Orcade.com. Maybe when I go to New Jersey next, I'll go to Yesterkades because I think they have it. I think they have They might. A, Wait, a, Doc doesn't have it at, uh, nope. at Galloping Ghost? Nope. Real? I know he's got the uh, verses of the uh, other game we're going to be talking about. But, uh, wow, I thought he had this one. Nope. Hmm. I believe Doc has a play choice. To, I think he does. But huh. keep in mind, there are 10, you're limited to 10 games in those things. I think there were like 57 that were available for play choice 10. They were God. not all Nintendo either. There are some Konami titles and some so it, other. Namco, uh, Tengen. Um, Tengen. Before they got into the rift with Nintendo. Yeah, I was going to say, because after that, they wanted nothing to do with them. So what would that have been like? Uh, that would have been early on. That would have been like 87, yeah. 88. Are you ready to rate, Sean? I am ready to rate. So, what are you going to rate Duck Hunt? I'm going to rate Duck Hunt three continues. All righty. And you know what? I think I will, too. Uh, The game is 
I mean, it, it's it's rightfully a classic, and it's it's enjoyable for a while. I, I do like in the versus version how it also has the bonus round, which in the NES version, the Play Choice Ten version, I always thought that the Clay Pigeons part was a bonus round, but apparently not. So I think that adds a little bit more, and I do like some of the. Uh, it does have an interstitial animation after the bonus round, where the dog's chasing a duck. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean it's. I don't know. I, I don't hate it, but I don't get the enjoyment out of it that I used to. Well, here's the problem with Duck Hunt, and that's that um, that kind of a game is for the old-fashioned electromechanical arcade games, really. Yeah. And maybe the first yeah, it ever. It's just something as advanced as a 1985 Nintendo game. It shouldn't just be like a shooting gallery type of thing. It, I was I just going to say, it works it's a better. gallery. It works better as a home game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and both of the games we're, we're talking about tonight, pretty much, I think, were only in the arcade uh, for, uh, for the reason being to possibly drive sales of the NES. Oh, yeah, of course. Easily. Um, there's the spread easily. brand, you know. What? Spread, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is like really kind of almost unprecedented that these games were put out there just for this particular reason. Yeah, it's and, an arcade uh, game to tell kids to go home. <laughs> yeah. It's if the uh, the Atari uh, 2600 demo kiosks that they had all over the place uh, required you to put a quarter in it to play it. Yeah. Yeah, it's odd. Yeah. The Play Choice 10, probably closer than this, because the Versus machines uh, had pretty similar hardware, but there were some differences, which uh, actually I might get to a little bit in the next portion here. But uh, were, they, so, were the light guns that came with the Play Choice 10 or that were on Play Choice 10, were they similar to the NES uh, Zapper? Or would, were they more like a revolver style? Oh, you know? they were definitely more. They were a revolver style. Yeah. Because like, what, like what Scott has at the Underground Retrocade with the um, with his Play Choice 10 machine? Yeah, it was pretty okay. much the same thing. It was obviously a sturdier piece of hardware than the home gun. The thing is, is that the NES Zapper was already a pretty sturdy uh, device. Yeah, I was going to say, I I went for Halloween as Captain and the Game Master, and I sacrificed <laughs> my Zapper. Um, was it one of the orange Zappers? No, it was a gray and, and, light, gray, and the light gray one. I had two. Oh, we so sacrificed I, the orange one. So I didn't care. I, I, I was like, you know, that's the one he's got, and I have two of them. So, But yeah, I that that thing was rock solid. I mean, it's very like hard plastic, and it, it still feels good in an adult hand, which is nice. Only thing I hated about the NES Zapper is when you pulled the trigger on it; it was really kind of hard to. It, there was more force required than, say, the uh, the Sega's the Sega light gun, which made it harder to like pull off, you know, like multiple quick shots like you could with the Sega Master System. Well, yeah, and, it's, you know, it's really tough because when you pull it back, you can literally hear and feel the spring uh, stretching or yeah. you know being pushed down. And then when you get to the the point where it releases, it's just like bing, like you can feel it, and it's a lot of force you have to put on there. And I'm going to just go on the record here saying that uh, Safari Hunt on the Sega Master System is a better game than Duck Hunt on the NES. But I can imagine. I'm just going to admit that. And as long as I'm talking about Sega Master System, if you've got the the Z, the the gun, whatever they called on that, I can't remember off the top of my head, and the, um, the 3D glasses, Missile Defense 3D is hands down the best light gun game ever created. Possible exception hmm. of Silent Scope. Oh god, it's a great game. It's like about, Missile Command, Tr- Zapper, and 3D glasses. What about T2, the arcade game? The gun is actually a joystick. Oh, is it? Yeah. 
Yep. Oh, my life is a lie. Okay. And that tells me that by default, Revolution X is the same way too, because uh, there's yep. some some Revolution Xs are actually T2 converted. If you ever examine one of those machines next time, notice that the gun is first of all it's permanently mounted, and secondly, uh, look at the base of it, because when you push up on it, the thing that attaches it to the control panel works like a joystick, and the thing, and you're really not using a gun at all. How it's, does it know like, where you're firing ex- then? Because it because of the input from. Because it, the input's not on the gun. The screen isn't reading the gun. The screen is reading the input from the joystick that that's, the gun is attached to. That's crazy. That's awesome. I mean, it, it kind of sucks, but at the same time, like, well done. Well, let, let's put it this way. if you've no, I don't know if you've noticed this, but every time you pull the trigger on T2, since it's uh, it's rapid fire, targets don't light up with a box around them. But every, no, other, don't. every other arcade game that has a gun does. Yeah, you're right. I never even thought of that. It's a joystick. It's not a gun. Huh. Well, the uh, more you know. Uh, so. I'm going to give this game uh, four. Whoa. Yeah. Because I think that it's less repetitive than the home version. Even though the home version is a better game, I think overall, I think I have more fun with the challenge. I would say there is more variety. I, like I was I said, nodding in agreement as if you guys could hear me. So. Mm, yeah. I could. So, are we all ready to move on uh, to. Uh, Jimmy G, did you rate the game? Uh, yeah, I think I did. I think I said I gave it a three. If not, I did put it down on the spreadsheet, which will be in the show notes. Yeah, it's a three. It's uh, yeah, I was saying it's 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 not a bad game. It's just kind of I don't have as much fun with it these days as I used to. Remember, I said that. I remember you saying that I, you said I'm going to agree, and then you moved on. So I assumed that you meant three because that's what oh. the, what Sean had said. Yeah, see, it's a three. So with that, I think we should move on to another game. What do you think? Um, if we must. Okay. We must. We must. We must. We must move on to another game. We must increase the bust. Yeah, that's what I was going for, but I wasn't going to I wasn't going to bring the joke home. The bigger the better the tighter the sweater. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, that one I have never uh, heard. Okay. So, uh yeah, so let's uh, move on to let's say Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. Yay, Super Mario Brothers. Yes, it was an arcade game. It was on the Nintendo versus platform, and it was also on the Play Choice 10, but not gonna talk I'm not gonna talk about the Play Choice 10 version because it's basically the same as the NES version and every, let's let's face it, everybody knows. Everybody knows the original Super Mario Brothers. Everybody's played it at some point in their life. Uh, even though most people consider Super Mario Brothers 3 the superior game, uh, I can never complete any of the games other than Super Mario, was it World? The first one on the Super Nintendo. It's the only one I ever completed. And uh, actually, I completed that one and I got all the hidden stuff, too. So uh, I'm wondering if I should go into the game or if I should go into the Versus platform. Because we've made mention of the Versus platform, but we haven't really talked about it too much. Hey, let's uh, talk about the Versus platform. Yeah. Well, what it was, it was uh, basically similar hardware to the NES. It wasn't the same. It was similar. The games on the Versus platform were different than the NES versions uh, for many different ways. And we'll get to some of that in a moment. We've already talked about that a little bit with Doug Hunt. But they had three different style of cabinets for the Versus system. And I've seen uh, all of them. Uh, first of all, you had the uh, the Unis system, which was basically just a, a Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Jr. machine that was retrofitted with uh, the, uh, the, the new hardware inside and a uh, control panel that had two sets of controls, uh, for one for the left player, one for the right player. To accommodate two players, they actually made the joysticks smaller. 
if I'm not mistaken, this, the actual the Mario Brothers game, the cabinets were just a little bit wider for two players. But since this was in a standard Donkey Kong machine, the joysticks they made smaller, so like I said, two people could get in there. They made, and they also made two kind of weird-looking versus cabinets. First one was a dual cabinet. It was basically two Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Junior machines that were kind of joined at an angle. That is unique. Yeah, I, that I've actually seen that one a few times too. They that was the platform I saw uh, Duck Hunt on actually at uh, the Aladdin's Castle at the Louis Joliet Mall. Um, then they also had, if I ever get an arcade machine, this is the one that I want: the Red Tent Cocktail Table. The reason they call it the Red Tent, first of all, it's red and it's kind of shaped like a tent. It's like it's not flat like a normal cocktail table because the the, the, the two monitors are like on an angle. They're kind of butted up against each other. And uh, on one side, you, the control panels are the same as they are with the what they call the unisystem or the dual cabinet, where you have two control set of controls, and it's like that on each side of the of the red tent. And both of these machines, the red tent and the dual cabinet, actually only had one motherboard, but you could play a, a different game on each side of the cabinet. Like you could play uh, Duck Hunt on one side or Super Mario, let's say, on the other. But they used the same motherboard, which I'm kind of curious if that created any sort of slowdown. I don't think so, because quite frequently I saw people using both sides of these machines. Theoretically, I don't know if there was ever any games like this. Theoretically, on these versus cabinet, you could have four players playing the same game. That is like cool. A four-player game. I don't know if I've ever seen that, but that would be uh, interesting. Well, now, and, um, I had a quick red- question. The, yes. You said that the monitor was angled like a tent, but was the table still functional as a table? Well, yeah, because the control panel was flat. Okay. You have your joysticks and your buttons, and you could still put like a, a drink or something on it. But given the the uh, the way that it was designed, I don't know if I would uh, really do that. Do, do but, not uh, put a drink or something on it at when you, if you see one at an arcade. No, oh, no, uh, because these are these are technically cocktail tables, but they're bizarre too. Okay. And um, I did neglect to mention that when I was in uh, Decalb, I actually finally got a chance to go to Star World's arcade. Ooh, um, do tell. Yeah, here's the thing. The guy, uh, what was it? Uh, Patrick O'Malley, who runs the joint, has really a lot of machines, and he's also a distributor for the area too. But the arcade itself is is not big at all. It's um, I would say it's actually even smaller than Pixel Blast. However, he hit, for the limited size he has, he's really got a nice variety of uh, of imports and uh, and pinballs and uh, rare games there. In fact. Uh, just recently, at Galloping Ghost, they unveiled uh, Baby Pac-Man and Granny and the Gator, both uh, pinball video game hybrids from Bally Midway. Well, actually, I played both of those at uh, at Star Worlds before Doc unveiled them at uh, Galloping Ghost uh, this last Monday. So, uh, you know, he you can see he's got a lot of stuff. Oh, by the way, Granny and the Gator is not a fun game at all. Baby Pac-Man is a much better game. It's not saying much. Not saying much, but yeah. Eh. It's saying a lot about about grinding the gators, though. But according to uh, something interesting, according to Patrick at Star World's Arcade, he told me, take a look at this machine from the side. What does it look like? I'm like, kind of looks like the roof of a pizza hut. And he was telling me that these machines were actually originally made for Pizza Hut. Really? And and thinking about it, I have seen plenty of Play Choice 10s and the Red Tent versus Cocktails at Pizza Hut. And he said that they became so popular that they, well, he said that they had like a contract. Pizza Hut had a contract with Nintendo for these machines. But they became so popular that they released them uh, elsewhere. I've seen the Red Tents. Well, I think I'm going to tip my hand here. But uh, I uh, played uh, this game, today's game, on a Red Tent at the Putt-Putt Golf and Games in Joliet. 
So um, I've also actually played it, now that I think about it, on the, the dual versus cabinet at uh, the Louis Joliet Mall, too, now that I think about it. And I remember playing other games on it, too. I, uh, I remember um, they had uh, Top Gun on it. Uh, I oh, know yeah. I've seen Castlevania on it. I had, you know what? I had a whole list of uh, games that were released on the Versus platform, and of course I didn't put it in my notes uh, because I didn't think we would go there. But uh, anyway, in a nutshell, those are the Versus cabinets. So yeah, let's go talk about Super Mario Brothers here. First of all, the controller. The joysticks are eight-way, which is just the default on the Versus cabinet because you got games that are four-way and some that aren't. So, and you have a jump button, and you also have a run slash shoot button. Everybody knows. Now, as we were saying, the Red Tent has both of the uh, two sets of control, or not the Red Tent, the Versus Cabinets have two sets of controls per side. It's still a one-player-at-a-time game. It's not yeah. two-player simultaneous. The object of the game is to rescue your princess, who just happens to always be in another castle. Yep, always. She never even gives you a kiss. Well, all but once. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't. Not, not in this game, no. So, And she's being held captive by some giant spiky turtle named Bowser, who's shoots fireballs at you, jumps around like an idiot, and throws hammers at you. King Koopa, thank you very much. Well, it says Bowser. Yeah, I know, I know. King Koopa, Bowser. Uh, yeah, it is not... Uh, Dennis uh, Hopper? Dennis Hopper, that's it. Yeah. And somebody just turned on the, the attic fan, so if there's a rumble in the background, you know what it is. So, at any rate, so Mario's jumping along, going from left to right to get to a flagpole at the end of the level, unless you're on the um, castle level, which you're trying to get to Bowser. And um, when you reach a flagpole, you got to jump onto it to complete the level. And however high up you jump determines how many bonus points you get for touching the flagpole. Then, of course, there's the the well-known thing where if you touch the flagpole at a when the timer, yes, the game has a timer, it's a certain time you'll get little bonus points from like, fireworks in the sky. Along the way, you have coins to pick up, which you can, if you save enough of them, you can get a free life and... Uh, this is way different than the NES version because this stuff is all changeable by the dip switches. I actually found online the uh, the owner's manual for the versus uh, Super Mario Brothers. It's only three pages long. But um, the mechanics are pretty similar to Mario Brothers, which we've talked about before. You jump up under the... If you want to kill something, jump up underneath it. And uh, mushrooms will you know, automatically die. Some of them you still have to kick. It, it depends on if you're regular Mario or Super Mario. Now... I'll get to Super Mario in a moment. Uh, you can break bricks when you... Wow, so much to talk about. This game is like, where do you start? Yeah, it was a huge uh, leap. Ah, I see it did there. And since it's a huge leap, we might as well talk about the springboards. Because if you jump on the springboards, they can make uh, Mario or Luigi jump higher. If you jump on it and then hit the jump button at the right boom... Right boom? What the hell is that? Right point. Thank you. Uh, you can jump higher. Then did this like... game introduce Luigi as a, uh, no. a name? No. Mario Brothers did. I know it introduced him there, but did it introduce him as Luigi? Yes, it did. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. It's, Mario Brothers did introduce him as Luigi. Yeah, absolutely. Unlike Mario, who was Jumpman in Donkey Kong, didn't really have a name in Donkey Kong, Luigi right. has always had a name. Cool. Yeah. The more, Oh, gosh, that would be like the sixth time. The okay. more you know. And along the way... Long as long as you're walking in there, sometimes there are pipes that will come up and you can go into some of them to bonus rounds. Uh, some of them uh, are warp zones. Uh, every now and then you'll meet, you'll have like a, a platform that'll move left or right or up and down. Sometimes they'll remain stationary. If you jump on that, it'll start falling the second you jump onto it. So you got to jump off of it quickly. Sometimes 
they're connected to other platforms with pulleys. So if you jump on a lower uh, on a higher one, it'll sink down, and the other one it's connected to will go up, kind of like a scale. A lot, a lot, a lot of different uh, different things here. Every now and then you'll jump up under a brick, and you will get a uh, it'll pop up a vine which you can take to a bonus round, stuff like that. And also you'll have like question mark box blocks which will have either power ups. We'll get to the power ups in a moment, or it'll have coins. And again, we'll get to how many co- what the coins do in just a moment here. Uh, let's go over some of the enemies. I think I've got them all. There's a lot of enemies in this game. Yeah, First right. of all, there's something called a bloober, which is a squid floats up and down. He's mostly in the underwater levels. There's the Bill Blaster. It's an indestructible cannon that blasts bullet bills. Yeah, bullet bill is a slow bullet. He's got little faces and arms. Then you got cheap cheeps, which are little red, green, or gray fish. They float in water or jump out of the water on the bridge. They're called cheap cheeps. Because they're cheap. Yeah, but they're mostly underwater. I guess they're a fish-bird hybrid. They're like flying fish, you know. You know what it looks like? The red cheap cheap kind of looks like the a little in a ways like uh, the the main uh, bird in Angry Birds. Kinda, yeah. There's some similarity there, but not enough to call you know copyright infringement. No. Every now and then in a level, you'll have rotating bars made out of fireballs. They can be different lengths, short, long, whatever. Uh, the most common enemy you will see is the Goomba. Which sounds like a derogatory, uh, derogatory uh, uh, slur <laughs> for uh, the, these are mushrooms that walk back and forth. It sounds like New Jersey slang or something. It yeah. does. It Am does. I sounding distorted, by the way? Yeah, you sound. No, you're not. A little, a little bit to me, but. Hmm. Hey, Goomba, get weird. over here! So yeah, these are mushrooms that walk back and forth. They could be killed by fireballs, or you know, if you jump on them. Uh, Koopa Troopas, which are turkles, as my, well. I was going to say my kids call them turkles, but no, I call them turkles. Uh, they're soldiers of the Turtle Empire. And um, if you stomp, it, uh, it you know it hides into its shell. And then if you stomp on it again, it can be kicked and uh, it'll knock off a whole bunch of enemies. And uh, the thing there is you have to watch out because if it bounces against a, a brick or a, uh, a pipe, it will come back toward you and you're going to have to jump over it again. Now, there are two types of Koopa Troopas. There are green ones and red ones. The green ones will walk back and forth, uh, but they'll fall off the edges of uh, edges of platforms. The red ones will turn around when it reaches the end of a platform, so they will not kill themselves. Goombas and green Koopa Troopas will walk into pits and kill themselves. You don't get points for that. Uh, then there are Koopa Paratroopas. Um, there are Koopas with wings. The green ones jump around on the platform, but the red ones will fly, like up and down or left and right. Uh, they don't jump. And um, they work uh, similarly if you want to kill them. Jump on it once, it removes the wings, and then they go down to the nearest platform. Uh, unless there's a pit below, which case they'll just fall off the screen. And then they act like a regular Koopa Troopa, which in case you got to jump on it again to, to uh, make it hide. And then jump on it again to kick the shell. Koopa Paratroopas take three jumps. And Koopa Troopas take two. Now, Koopa Troopas and Paratroopas can be killed that way, but they can also be killed if you're Super Mario Brothers and you have a fireball, which, again, we'll get to in a moment. There's another similar guy called a Buzzy Beetle. He basically looks like a beetle. Couldn't tell you if it's John, Paul, George, Ringo, or Pete Best uh, off the top of my head. But uh, What about Stuart Sutcliffe? I have no idea who that is, actually. Or Colin Hanton. Or not. All right, it looks like Glenn Campbell. It looks like a beach boy, not a beetle. 
any rate, Glenn Campbell wasn't a Beach Boy. I know he was a session musician. Some people trying to make a joke, but no, he looks like a, a hard-shelled beetle. He works the same way as a Koopa Troopa. The only thing is, he is invulnerable to the fireballs. Uh, otherwise, he's basically the same as the uh, the Koopa Troopas. Now, we're getting close to the end of the list of enemies. We have the Lakitu, which is a Koopa that wears like. I don't know, flight goggles, and he rides a cloud, and he throws spiny eggs toward the player. They're, I don't know, a round ball. It's got spikes on it. Touches you, you're dead. I am missing a enemy here, because once the spiny egg hits the ground, it turns into a Koopa Troopa with spines on it that uh, you can only kill with the with the fireballs. You cannot kill them by jumping on them. I think you could kill them by jumping underneath them from another platform. I don't remember. I play this game so much, and some of the action just just blends together. To be honest, yeah. Uh, then you have the then you have uh, Padobos, Padobo, Padobu, which is a fireball. It jumps out of lava. Can't kill it. And then you have Piranha Plants, which look like Audrey too. Feed me Seymour. Feed me all night long. He rises out of pipes. He's invul- He's uh, He can only be killed with fireballs. And then finally, Bowser. He's the boss on pretty much every castle level of the game. He can be defeated one of two ways, either by shooting him with fireballs or by getting past him and hitting, like, the axe at the end of the bridge that he's standing on. How many and fireballs does he take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? You know what? I've never counted, and I didn't really bother looking for that information. I don't think it takes, like, too many. No, I don't think so either, but I think it takes like eight or something. But it's always always better to jump over. Now, if I recall correctly, if you kill them the one way, you get points. If you kill them the other way, you don't get any points. Mm. I didn't bother looking into most points when I was researching this game because, quite frankly, there's a lot of things to remember with this game. This This is not an actual ordinary game. Even for the arcade, this game in the on the Versus system was pretty big, something special, so... There we are. So, at any rate, let's get to some power-ups. There's a, as opposed to the number of enemies, there's really actually not that many power-ups in the game. Oh. Uh, first of all, you get a giant mushroom. It's uh, a white. It's basically a white mushroom with like a kind of orange cap with uh, red spots. Basically, turns Mario or Luigi big. It looks like an amanita, you know, mushroom, which are poisonous as mushrooms go. But this is a good one. Yeah. I just think it's kind of funny that it looks like the kind of mushroom that if you saw it in the forest, you should not eat it. Then you also have the fire flower, uh, which you can only get if you are huge. I'm huge! It gives the player two ability to throw fireballs. And you throw the fireballs by pressing the run shoot button on the console. If you hold that button down and move the joystick, you run. If you tap, he'll throw the fireballs. It sounds kind of weird that they have the two functions on the one button, but uh, it it's really not. It works really It works, well. yeah. Then you have the Invincibility Star. It's a gold flashing star. It gives you brief invulnerability to the enemies. You can still fall and die if you fall into a pit, but otherwise, you're good. And then, of course, the green one-up mushroom. Basically, white stock, green cap. Now, I say you can only get the Fire Flower if you have a giant mushroom. Wherever in the game there is a giant mushroom, if you're huge and you hit that same block, it will be a Fire Flower. So the game sees that if you're not huge, then you hit a block, you'll get a giant mushroom. But if it sees that you are huge, it'll give you a fire flower instead. Now, what happens if you were to hit it while you were huge and a fire flower came out and then you got hit and became regular Mario again and then hit the fire flower? It can. You can. But I'm not sure. 
I believe it just turns you giant. I think so too, but I, I was never a hundred percent on that. I have had that happen, and uh, when I had my NES, and I I don't recall one hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't turn it you right does. back into Fire Mario. No, yeah. no, I think you have to go through the uh, through the sequence of being large first, or we should pretty much say super because he's super at that point, and then uh, then it gives you the Fire Flower. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And he's like three times as tall too, which. Think about that in human terms. If two and a half, if regular Mario is what he is a you know as a human, then Super Mario is like a freak. You know, we need to hook him up with Lizzie, George, and Ralph. Well, he'd be Ooh. like eighteen feet tall. Oh, dude, that's that's, true. that's something we should have been talking about. Hmm. What happened Ooh. in Chicago this week? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Totally forgot about that. They were filming Rampage, the motion picture, in Chicago this weekend. And uh, Brian Colon, or as my kids say, Brian Colon, uh, was actually on, uh, or, or as we call him, uh, King Henry VIII, was actually, uh, I think they uh, asked him to be an extra in the film. Oh, really? I think. That's I the sense that. I got. He was on set, yeah, very, he's the like, very least. He's like freaking, like, what's a good way to say that? Uh, okay, let's put it this way. Whenever you meet Brian Colon, he's always giddy. He's always happy in a jovial mood. I've never seen him this happy or jovial. Yeah. I've never seen him this giddy. So that's saying something. I'm sorry, King Henry VIII. So here's something. This is going to be interesting. Found a list of differences between the NES Super Mario Brothers and the uh, Versus version. First of all, thank you to, uh, I got the list from MarioWiki.com. MarioWiki.com slash Versus. Uh, well, just go there and look for Versus Super Mario Brothers. This is where I got this from. I'm going to go here. All right. First of all, th- apparently there were six new levels created for the Versus Super Mario Brothers, and all six of which were actually reused in Super Mario Brothers The Lost Level, a.k.a. Super Mario Brothers 2, which is the Japanese version of Super Mario Brothers 2. We're not going to get into the whole Super Mario Brothers 2 Japanese versus American controversy here. Other yeah. podcasts have done that. Go, go listen to that. Let's go to the flow chart for this. <laughs> yeah, no shnikes. So here's the, here's the level differences. Okay. Uh, the original NES version of Super Mario Brothers had some levels repeat with an easier version on with some obstacles removed and then a harder version later on. Like the example they gave on uh, Mario Wiki was one three level 1-3 is an easier version of ver- level 5-3. Level 5-3 actually had more enemies or obstacles or whatever. And they give some other examples here. In the arcade version, most of the easier versions are replaced by the harder version of the NES level sequence, if you follow what I'm saying. Like I said, they gave the example of 1-4 is the easier version of 6-4. So, World 1, Level 4. Let's say it that way. World 1, Level 4 in the Versus version was replaced with World 6, Level 4 on the Versus. Because they were basically, they were trying to make money. They're trying to make it money, make it harder, yeah. They want you to die so that you can spend more money. This is a lot harder than the NES Super Mario Brothers, even though the levels are pretty similar. Right. It's taken out of the Versus version and replaced with the harder version from the NES. That's, I think, the easiest way to to explain it. All right, now, everybody who knows the NES version of Super Mario Brothers knows the Minus World trick, where uh, at the end of Level 1-2, World 1, Level 2, it's an underground level. I forgot to mention there are above ground levels. There's levels that are in the air where you're like walking on the top of like flattened mushrooms. There are underwater levels. There's the castle, which I know I mentioned, and then there's underground levels, which are like 
in a cave, which somehow bricks are a... It's like a sewer. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's more like a sewer. So, at the end of World 1, Level 2, on the NES version, there's a trick where you can do to get into what is known as the Minus World. Basically, you break off two blocks to leave one block next to the pipe that takes you up to the above-ground sequence. And if you catch your head just right on the brick, when you jump up in a crouching position, you'll move through the screen, then you go down to a pipe, and then you get into a never-ending water level, which is just identified as minus one. They call it a minus level but just because of that. It never ends. If you get to that in the NES version, basically you got to reset the machine and start over, because you can never get out of that. It's just a fun trick to... It's a fun party trick. Well, Yeah, you impress your friends. Impress your friends. And, of course, if you're showing them the Minus World trick, you probably don't have any. But uh, they uh, took some bricks out of the end pipe on World 1, Level 2, on the Versus version, so that you can't do the Minus World trick. If you did that, you'd have to reboot the machine and all that fun stuff. Level 3-1 in the NES version, World 3, Level 1, on the NES version... There's a staircase right before the flagpole, which is pretty much almost every level. But on World 3 Level 1 of the NES version, there's a turtle coming down. And there's a famous trick where if you jump on the turtle as it's coming down the stair at the right point, you'll just keep jumping and hopping and hopping and hopping and hopping on it without touching. I mean, you only got to jump the one time, but you, because of the way that the jumping physics work, you just keep jumping up and down you know, on top of the shell. And eventually you score... You, every time you jump on the shell, you score more points, more points, more points, until it gets to the point where you, every time you jump on them, you win a free life. And then eventually, if you leave it sit for like five minutes or so, you have like 100, 200 free lives. I've never been able to do this trick. I have seen videos of people doing it. Well, for the Versus version, they removed the Koopa Troopa, which, you know, as I was saying, is the turtle, and replaced it with a mushroom, meaning you can't do the trick. <laughs> so Cause, they, cause they want uh, their they, money. They want their money. They really went through and found all of the uh, all of the kind of the bugs and exploits in this game, and uh, they they didn't unprogram them. They just took out the ways that you could access these these bugs, which I don't know, maybe a bit of a kludge workaround, but they're able to do it. Again, you can see this list at uh, what was it MarioWiki.com. Yeah, MarioWiki.com. Uh, some of the castle screens you have to go in a certain path to get to the end. Some of the levels in the Versus version have the the mazes, the path that you have to go in. Some of those levels are changed. Oh, yes, the warp zones in the NES version. Pretty much everybody knows about the warp zones. At the end of level 1-2, if you can somehow run across the top, go past the pipe that takes you to the, uh, the above-ground flagpole that you use to end the level, you get to an area with three pipes, which is, Welcome to Warp Zone! And it could take you to level 2, 3, or 4. And then uh, there are other warp zones elsewhere in the game. There's also one of these warp zones. I was saying there's one in one two, and in level four two they have been modified to remove the warps to level worlds seven and eight. They've and they also made worlds six, seven, and eight harder. So you could do the first warp to go on level world one level two, and you could get the warp to level four. Then once you're on level four, you could get to the warp zone again but you can only go to level 6, which means you have to play the harder levels of 6, 7, and 8, which these levels were purposely made harder. I believe these are the ones that were actually used in uh, the Lost Levels or Super Mario 2. So you cannot bypass and go right to level 8. The uh, That was kind of kind of tricky there. So the NES version, I believe, came out before the, the Versus version, and so they mixed things up so that if you got good at one version... 
you can use some of the skills, but the tricks you know won't work on the other yeah, one. Or... You can't go to the arcade and just play forever. Exactly, which uh, was was good on Nintendo's part. Some of the the question mark blocks uh, have been moved to harder to reach places, or altogether removed, or just power ups just replaced with coins. And uh, I thought this is interesting. Uh, I was talking about the the coins earlier. Now on the NES version, if you collect a hundred coins, you get a free life. Well. Uh, being this is an arcade game, that is operator selectable to either 100, 150, 200, or 250 coins for a free life. I've only seen Super Mario Brothers in the arcade a few times, so and I think they were all pretty much just set to 100 coins because the game is hard enough the way it is. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you, the operator can be pretty stingy and change it up to 250 if you wanted to to earn an extra life. Um, also, there's a dip switch setting that makes the timer run faster. Uh, like the NES version of this game, there is a timer, and you have to complete the level before the timer runs out, and you get bonus points for the time. I, I guess there's some people that don't realize that the NES Super Mario Brothers, you can actually continue. I believe you just hit the A button and start, and you'll continue at the first level of the last world you were on. So if you lost your life on level, say, 4 or 3, World 4, level 3, uh, you can start again at level 4-1 just by hitting, I think it was the A button, and the start button on the game over screen. As many now, times as you want? I want to think there was a limit to that. Mm. I can't remember. On the Versus Super Mario Brothers, after a game is over, depending on the operator setting, the player may continue the game with four lives instead of three. Three is the default, but you could continue with four depending on how the operator sets the game. And that, I believe, is all of the... Oh, yes. I forgot about this. There are level maps of the arcade version at themushroomkingdom.net. So if you want to look at some of the stuff to see where things are, you can go there. Very good website, uh, by the way. I just encountered that when I was doing research for this one. And, uh, link in the show notes. It's funny. Link in the show notes. Uh, funny, we were uh, a couple of months ago at a um, video gaming party hosted by one of our Patreons. And um, previously I'd been playing, uh, what was the Legend of Zelda game on the Super Nintendo? Link to the past. Link to the past. Yeah. And uh, I was relying heavily on information from, um, I think, ZeldaDungeon.net. Yep. And little did I know that the website was run out of uh, Dundee, and I believe the proprietor of the website was at the party. Either that or the, or uh, Keith Sheehan, who had the party, knew him or something like that. So that was kind of interesting. But continuing on the differences in the levels, many of the one-up mushrooms have been removed entirely. The only ones that are there still are World 1-1. World 3-1, but that one's only available if the player collects at least 21 coins in World 1-3 or all 35 coins in World 2-3. World 5-1, available only if the player collects 22 coins in World 3-3 or 27 in 4-3. And in World 7-1, available only if the player collects at least 23 coins in World 5-3 or at least 24 coins in World 6-3. If I remember correctly, the uh, NES version didn't have a coin requirement on any of the 1-ups. I don't think so. Could be wrong with that. But um, really the last thing I have here I thought was interesting. In the promotional literature for the arcade game, uh, this was also known as Versus Mario Adventure. Not Super Mario Brothers. Versus Mario Adventure. So, whew, there you go. That's a mouthful of mushroom. Yeah, no kidding. And I know for a fact I didn't even scratch the surface. When uh, we were talking about originally doing these games, I was so hoping Sean was going to choose to talk about Super Mario Brothers. He was like, <laughs> "Don't take Duck on." You got the easier game. Because <laughs> there's about. there's so many nuances to it. Oh, there is. There is. It's it's not just a simple 
I, I, in, in concept, in theory, it's simple, but there's there's just so much packed into this thing. Yeah, it's not and, Alex Kidd. No. Oh, gosh. Alex Kidd. Don't get me started on the Alex Kidd games. There was only one that was even half worth playable, and that was Alex Kidd in Ninja World. Or, no, no, uh, Shinobi World. That's what it was. Yeah. So, yeah, there we are. Um, wow. <laughs> this, this game was a lot of, a lot of people in my generation's childhood, you know? Well, exactly. I mean... The uh, the NES, I believe, came out in 86 in the United States. Um, there was the whole story about how, while Atari was going under, Nintendo actually was in talks with Atari to bring the NES to the United States with the Atari name on it. Yep. Uh, that never came to fruition. I heard a story recently, too, that... Uh, or no, I, did we talk about that on the Genesis episode where uh, uh, Sega was actually also in talks with Atari? I don't remember. To bring the Genesis to the U.S. Oh gosh, they huh. they made so much, so many mistakes, Atari. But really, Atari, come on. Yeah, but at any rate, that's how you play Super Mario Brothers. Pretty much everybody and their mom have played this game. It had so many variations. I love what they did with the Wii U and had the Super Mario Maker. Uh, you need to see. Look at look online for uh, James and Mike Mondays. Sometimes they'll have cartridges made with uh, Mario games, uh, homebrew Mario games with in totally insane levels, which I do not understand how any of these people can get through some of this stuff. There have been there are levels that require you. The only the only thing you can uh, the only way you can make it across is to like to jump on Koopa Paratroopus the whole way across while yeah. avoiding spots above you and and just absolutely totally insane. Don't understand how people can get by some of this stuff. I love that they had the Super Mario Maker on the Wii U. You could create your own levels and whatever and share them or whatever. It would have been nice if they had that for Legend of Zelda. But, you know, if you have a PC, there's a program out there, Shareware, called Zelda Classic. Runs on the most current Windows. It's pretty awesome, too. I'm going to give Super Mario Brothers 5. Oh, really? I haven't even asked for scores yet. Are you talking the VS or the PlayChoice 10 or? Uh, I would say, yeah, VS. Why not? I accidentally put a six there instead of a five. There we there's go. so much. There's so much game going on. You know, there's I, so I many think, things to do. It's really tough. All, it's still. I think that even given the difficulties that they uh, added to the v, the VS version, I think that it's still just a really unique, revolutionary, and incredibly fun game. It was definitely revolutionary, and I I think it, it it's revolutionary in the sense. It changed, I would say this game changed the industry. Yeah, platforming games had been around. We've had uh, we've had Space Panic, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Mario Brothers, Castlevania, whatever. Well, maybe not Castlevania is not a good example, but I mean, you, you get where I'm going with that. Yeah. But this one totally added an adventure element to the, plat- the whole platforming thing, and um, it profoundly changed the way that games were played, just like Pong created the industry. You know, Pac-Man revolutionized maze games. There had been maze games before Pac-Man. Uh, Space Invaders, I mean, there have been shoot 'em ups It was the next evolutionary step, and it just totally took the existing formulas and uh, twisted them, turned them all upside down. I think Mario Super Mario Brothers was the beginning of the death of points. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, actually, no, it isn't, because it was the death of points. Well, I know, but there were still games that came out afterwards that had points in them. But but I think that the gaming public at large at, after this point 
cared less and less, and it was more about beating the game than it was about mm-hmm. accruing a high score, you know. Right, and not so much about Mario Brothers, because especially on the NES, because on the NES, they they basically hid the fact that you can continue. It wasn't in any of the documentation. You had to go online or on bulletin boards or read it in a magazine that there was a continue feature in it. So Mario Brothers still required skill, because as far as you knew, there was no continue. But after this, you know, you could get the respawn, or I mentioned World of Warcraft a minute ago, you die, you just run back to where you died from the cemetery. You know, right. just keep playing and playing and playing. There was no skill involved, eventually. It was just about beating the game, and it, it was a good thing, and it was a bad thing, um, I guess. I mean, I loved, I mean, we talked about um, our last episode, um, Black Widow, and... Uh, I just want to keep beating my score, just get higher. I mean, I know there's no end to that game. I know it'll just keep going on, uh, unless there's an unintentional kill screen that I don't know about. But you you can't really beat those games. It's those no. games about skill. Super Mario Brothers was about completing the game and about skill. But as you were saying, after this, it was less and less about the skill. You're saying less and less about the points and more and more about beating the game. And really, what games these days actually have scores? None. I mean, uh, there are, but they're like I mean, more there retro some. throwback. Right. But for the most part, they don't. No. I think this is when it started. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would say. I would say you're correct on that. I don't, I'm going to ask Sean. Sean, where's the first place you saw versus Super Mario Brothers? In the oh, arcade? geez. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure. Uh, I never saw it until recently, actually. Though, outside of the... Uh, the NES, forget it. Um, I want to, th- I want to think I saw it, but didn't play it at Galloping Ghost. I know they have it there. It's right next. It's in the aisle where they have all the Nintendo games. And I actually uh, Popeye, played Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Junior, Mario Brothers, all there right next to it. And when I actually played to prepare for this episode, I played the PlayChoice Ten version because uh. they have it at Underground Retrocade, and I was mm-hmm. there. And of course, I'm thinking, you know, why would anybody go to an arcade to play something they could play at home? Right. Well, and I think it goes back to what uh, Patrick O'Malley was saying about the contract with Pizza Hut. And I think something like this, I mean, you were familiar with it at home. You wanted to play, you know, a little bit of that same game that you have at home while you're waiting for your pizza. I mean, pizza's not like, you know, McDonald's, you you go up to the counter, order, you have your food on your plate, you're on your tray. (laughs) <laughs> unless it's, unless it's Little minutes. Caesars. <laughs> yeah. You, you guys have Little Caesars there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. But and that way you can walk of... in and be like, yeah, I'll have a pepperoni pizza. And they're like, here you go. Like, it's right behind them on a warming shelf. Yeah. But other than, but like, Pizza Hut, no, pizza you got to wait. With a normal pizza recipe, you're just waiting. So, you I mean, I, I think I... it was, I think it's the Play Choice 10 thing is a perfect fit. I think there's also an element of, like, look how good I am at this. Showing yeah. off to people because there was no such thing as online leaderboards at the time. So it was more like a, wow, that guy over there while I'm waiting for my pizza is really, you know, kicking butt at, at However, uh, Super the, Mario. The one of the differences between the Play Choice 10 and the Versus, I mean, there's a lot of differences, but with the Play Choice 10, it, it wasn't like a traditional arcade machine where you put a quarter in, you get X amount of lives. That's what the Versus was. The Play Choice 10, for every quarter or token you put in, you got a time limit to play. I think it was like generally around 90 seconds to two minutes. Jeez. So if you wanted to keep playing, you kept popping tokens in for like two more minutes. Well, that's how they could get away with putting games in there like The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, yeah, you could show off, but, uh, you know, I got to keep feeding the monster. Mm-hmm. Wait. Draining this lizard. Pumping the monster. 
<laughs> so, at some point, I was thinking about doing just a whole episode about the Play Choice Ten because that's a very interesting machine, even though it's just a coin-operated NES. But I don't know if we really need to. Yeah, but. just playing that Super Mario Brothers on the on the Play Choice Ten. It just made me think of how when I was a little kid mm-hmm. and my parents would kind of guide me with uh, purchases that I made and I wanted yeah. to buy the single version of Thriller by Michael Jackson because I am a I've always been a completist I want every version and my dad wouldn't let me get it he's like oh you have that on the it's on the record it's like dad I don't have this version and I don't have the b-side like, ah, you know he probably used the same logic with me he's like you're not gonna I'm not gonna give you a quarter to play that you could play that at home right That's no, all no, I could think no, so no, one time. I Although the single version of Thriller has that awesome fold-out of Michael Jackson on it. so uh, This didn't have a picture sleeve, though. It was just a regular epic sleeve. Oh, okay. I didn't really At one time, I sleeve. had three different versions of the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Hmm. collector's version on VHS, the collector's edition on DVD, and the 30th anniversary edition on DVD. I have yet to get the Blu-ray. You're talking about the original, not the remake. Yes, remake? And, you know, the 30th anniversary edition had all three or four versions of the movie. There was the original theatrical, the special edition, the special edition without the part at the end where he goes into the spaceship, and the TV version. The TV version basically had all of the scenes from all of the versions. I think the only way I've ever seen that movie was uh, Betamax or Laserdisc. It's my most favorite movie of all time. Mine's Neverending Story. I'm not going to go with the obvious joke on Neverending Story. Okay. uh, how could they make a sequel? Oh, jeez, I went there. Okay, so, yeah, so I mean, Super Mario Brothers is revolutionary. I mean, one thing I've noticed about NES games is the earlier ones seem to be a hell of a lot more colorful than the ones that came out later in its life. Super Mario Brothers is a lot more colorful than Super Mario Brothers 3 for some reason, yet Super Mario Brothers 3 is always considered the superior game. Because it is. Well, I mean, it's it's... It's like playing the Super Nintendo Super Mario World on an 8-bit platform, right? basically. And, uh, I mean, obviously this was before it, but uh, Super Mario 3 was innovative. But I had never really played it a lot. Super Mario Bros. 2 in the United States is a totally different game than Super Mario Bros. 2 in Japan, which Super Mario Bros. 2 in Japan was basically Super Mario Bros. 1 with different levels. where well, Harder. I, it was just insanely harder. Yeah. I said earlier I wasn't going to get into the whole Super Mario Brothers 2 thing. The United States Super Mario Brothers 2 is actually a Japanese game called Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, and it's based on like a television channel or a show or something, something like, that. like that. And it's not a bad game, but it doesn't have like the, the Mario. It, it's, it's not a typical Mario game, so leave it at that. I mean, it's a classic. Again, it's anymore it's kind of old hat. I really don't play it much anymore, although... Once I got my 8-bit dough uh, Bluetooth controller, I was actually playing Super Mario Brothers via an emulator on my phone. Legally, of course. Of course. Well, yeah, because you actually own the real game, so. Well, actually, I do have the uh, the NES cartridge, so. Yeah, I, so yeah. Well, it doesn't so, matter. So, uh, yeah, it, you can't play games. I'm sorry, you cannot play classic-style arcade games on a, on a touchscreen. you got to have a physical mm, controller. Yeah, you do. You pretty much have to, and that's what I can't. I I have an emulator on my phone for the Game Boy, mm-hmm. where it's got like the D pad on the left and the B and A button on the on the right. I can't do it. Yeah, I I paid for this thing too, and I was just like, yeah, that sounds great. And then I was like, after I bought it, I'm like, 
<laughs> Wait a minute, there's no physical buttons. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, God. That's the thing I hate about the Atari, uh, what is it, the Atari Classics whatever thing on the on Android, I believe it's also on uh, the iPhone, is you have to use the on-screen controls, and there's no option to use a Bluetooth controller. Nope. And there's zero feedback, That's, so there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's just nothing. So, yeah. I, I Really, I think I've said all there is to say about Super Mario Brothers. Like I said, I think the first place I ever played it was on the Red Tent at the Putt-Putt Golf and Games in Joliet, Illinois, on Essington Road, which is just south of the Louis Joliet Mall, and which was just south of the Louis Joliet Mall. It's like some sort of little tiny strip mall thing now. Then, of course, they have it at Galloping Ghost in, uh, in a Versus Cabinet as well. I think yeah, the best so, way to I think the best way to play this game is to play the Super Mario Bros. Deluxe on the Game Boy Color. I think that is I've the not u- played that. I think that is the ultimate way to play this game. It's it sets up the levels in a Mario three map style. Uh-huh. Uh, the graphics are exactly what you'd expect, and it's got a bunch of little extra uh, Game Boy camera style funzy things uh, in the menus. So. It's great. It's fantastic. And you can play it on a... On it's a, huge. It's huge. It's you huge. Play, it's going to be amazing. And we're going to make Mario pay for it. But you can also... <laughs> make uh, Mario great again. You can also um, play it on a Game Boy Advance SP with a backlit screen. And I think that's my favorite way of playing this game. Oh, I had a, a, I used to have one of those. And it was... That was, in my opinion, probably the best handheld game console of all time. My favorite, my favorite, I, I own more handheld consoles than I own television consoles. And easily, hands down, my favorite is uh, the Game Boy Advance SP2 with the backlit screen instead of the frontlit screen that the original uh, SP had. Now, when it comes to handheld consoles, I've owned the Atari Lynx. Yeah, my wife had a Game Boy. Uh, she brought it into our marriage. I don't even know what happened to it now. But I eventually got uh, a Game Boy Advance, which that it was a great system. It sucked because no bathlight, which they fixed yep. on the Game Boy SP, which is the best of all the Game Boy consoles. I love how you could fold it. It's like con- and I've had uh, I've got a DSi, and um, the uh, yeah, I was so pissed when I found my my SP. It was I was looking for it, and then. Come to find out, my kids had been playing it while I was at work, and they saw me come home, and they pushed it into the rocking chair, <gasps> into the cushion, oh! and one of the metal things, uh, one of the metal like you know bars that pushed the, uh, the the footrest out, cracked the screen, and I no! hated it. I had the Williams Arcade collection on there, the Konami Arcade collection on there, different versions. Uh, I had some of the uh, Klax and uh, and Marble Madness collections, and then oh. I had uh, Lego games and. Tron 2.0, which was the only home port of the Tron arcade games, by the way, was on that particular cartridge, which we talked about in the Tron episode. Yeah, I was so, so mad about that. Here, here's a little uh, interesting pro tip. Kim Possible, like the television show? Yeah. Uh, Kim Possible 2 on Game Boy Advance is extremely good. Really? You would never think that it would be, but it's very good. It's a very good platform puzzler uh-huh. Uh, action game, excellent, excellent game. Nice. And I, my buddy, he recommended it to me. He's like this biker guy, and he's like, "Hey, you got to play Kim Possible too on the GBA." And I went, "What are you talking? About? What is this a, a joke?" And he's like, "No, play it or die." Yeah. So I played it, and I'm like, I talked to him the next day. I'm like, "That game's awesome." 
it's really good. There's like all, all sorts of really cool power ups. The level design is amazing. It's it feels like some kind of a mix between Pitfall and Donkey Kong Country. It's just so good. Nice. Yeah. So I think we should probably. Well, you've already given your rating, Tim. I'm going to give my rating. It's a classic. I mean, it, it's rightfully deserves its place. It, it was innovative, but since then it's been done. It's been done better, and uh, it's still not a terrible game. I just don't go back to pretty much most of the old Mario games anymore. But it's still a fun game. I think for, the, for those reasons al- alone, I'm not going to rate it a five. I will rate it a four. But you know, I, I, it's, it's just not one I play much anymore. It, it, it's like when you're wa- watching television, you're flipping, 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 and then you see something that you ain't seen in a long time, and then you just sit and watch it. It's one of those. It's one. It's, it's like a TV show that. You won't go out of your way to watch, but if it's on TV, you won't turn it off either. And that's kind of how I'm thinking about this game nowadays. It's a gun so, smoke, then. If they, if I see that on television, I'll go, oh, yeah, I remember this. Or uh, what was that one with the Ponderosa? Bonanza. No. Oh, Bonanza. Bonanza. Yeah, if I yes. see Bonanza, i got to watch that, too. Ponderosa, I was thinking of steakhouses. Which... Mm. There's also a Bonanza steakhouse. That's true. Was there? Yeah, there was. In fact, there's a family restaurant here in Morris that used to be a, a Bonanza. And there was a steakhouse called Little Joe, and one called... <laughs> they went up on that. Only hope. We should do a steakhouse podcast. Maybe we can uh, parlay it into free meals. That'd be great. Oh, awesome. Invite I'm me back for that one. My three dream jobs are movie critic, restaurant critic, and mattress tester. Mm, all, all at the same time. Jobs. All at the same time. And you know what? I won't even be greedy. I'll work for half of what I'm making now. <laughs> wow, that's that's something. Well, yeah. Of course, you know, you don't have to pay for your entertainment, sleep, or food. Right. Just guess. So, so Sean, what are you, uh, you going to rate uh, versus Super Mario Brothers? Keep in mind that this is a arcade podcast. So mm-hmm. I am going just on the arcade game. I'm pretending that all the other versions don't exist, and that includes Princess Rescue and, of course, Crystal Quest in the 7800. As an arcade game, I am rating VS Super Mario Brothers 2 continues. To Whoa! Because seriously, you, well, play not it, surprising. you play it, and it's like, what the hell am I doing? You know, Why am I wasting my token, my quarter, on this when I can just play it at home, you know? In a game as adventurous as that, there's no way you can do it without a continue unless you're very experienced with it. Yeah, and I get where you're coming from. Uh, I think they changed it up enough to make it different, to make you come back and play it. But really, this let's be honest, Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers in the arcade were advertisements for the NES. They were. Yeah, they were. Worse. But it's like the review, though, of... I remember one of the reviews of the Lego movie. Somebody had said... Uh, you might go into this movie thinking that it's a, a cynical cash grab by a toy company. And they're like, yeah, it is, but it's a good cynical grasp for cash by a toy company. And I think I would say that would probably be a good uh, good review of these games. Well, yeah, because if the commercial is good and the product is good, then what's the problem? Exactly. But at the same time, if you're at an arcade, you're not on your couch. You are out to spend That's some true. money to play a game, and this is not worth your quarter yeah you know what you would not gravitate toward this one you but i still have I, to give this one a five just because i love that street crad mentality you know what i think i'm going to reduce my rating to a three. Oh, yeah that's not unprecedented not on what not unprecedented in other words it's precedented 
Uh, it is precedented. I'm going to keep mine at a five because I still I still love that that idea of like showing up in an arcade and just you know in 1980 whatever and uh, being able to just dominate. I, I, I did did like like how they got rid of a lot of the lot of as I was saying they they changed it up enough you know right. But as you were saying as you just pointed out this is not going to be the first game you gravitate toward and I was thinking about it and I'm like yeah you're right. Only way you would gravitate towards Super Mario Brothers is if you're familiar with the Donkey Kong lineage and Mario Brothers, and you had never played an NES in your life. Yeah, exactly. I would go um, towards. I would go towards Gyrus, of course. First, oh yeah. yeah, Gyrus, uh, Black Widow, Tinkle Pit, Tapper, Tinkle Pit. Yeah. Well, then again, I also said that Tinkle Pit would would work better as a console game than it would have. That's true. You game. did say that. Class. You said that about Puznik too, but Puznik had the dirty pictures. If you changed the dip switches already, oh, yeah. So. Oh, speaking of dirty pictures, you know, you want to know what the high, what the world record scores are for for this game? Why? Yes, I do. Okay, so and, uh, you're going to have a lot to say about this, so tuck in, folks. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the VS version, uh, Twin Galaxies has some very specific rules. Usually, the rules are oh, factory setting dip switches and then knock yourself out. The rules for Twin Galaxies for them to accept your score, and I quote. Your scoring attempt ends when either you die for a fifth time or you manage to defeat Bowser and save the princess at the end of 8-4, thus beating the game. The turtle stair hop trick is banned, and use of it will result in immediate disqualification of your score, accidental or not. This would also include the use of a single enemy to get increasingly larger amounts of points by repeatedly jumping on it. Waiting to grab the golden axe at the end of every Bowser level until the last possible second, causing the timer to revert to 999, is a banned tactic, and use of it will result in immediate disqualification. Use of the wall jump tactic is not allowed. You must access the underwater area of 8-4 by using the pipe across the lava pit, doubling back and using the pipe before the pit is not allowed, and will result in disqualification. Use of any pipe to go somewhere different than where the programmers intended is banned. Warping is permitted. So, did you get all that? I got it. Yes. Great. Um, Triforce Johnson has the world record at 3,404,400, verified August 6, 2011. And Orcade.com has Andrew Gardikis um, as the record holder at 3,007,250, performed April 23rd, 2011, where, I don't know, probably fun spot, because that's where all that crap was done. Should we talk about go. the Play Choice 10? Might as well. Okay, this also has a specific set of rules. <clears throat> Your scoring attempts end when either you die for a fifth time or you manage to defeat Bowser and save the princess at the end of 8-4, thus beating the game. The turtle stair hop trick is banned, and use of it will result in immediate disqualification of your score, accidental or not. This would also include the use of a single enemy to increasingly larger amounts of points by repeatedly jumping on it, including Piper Block ricocheting. In this instance, you may jump on it, send it flying, and jump on it once more, and only once more, and then you may send it flying, leave it be, or destroy it. Any further attempts on the single enemy in question will disqualify your scoring attempt. Use of the wall jump tactic is not allowed. You must access the underwater area of 8-4 by using the pipe across the lava pit. Doubling back and using the pipe before the pick to do so will equal disqualification. They capitalize disqualification, by the way, so I guess it's somebody's name. Uh, <laughs> use of any pipe to go somewhere different than the programmers in 
intended is banned. Jumping through a solid object to access an area faster than the programmers intended is not allowed. This falls under a variation of the wall jumping trick. Warping is permitted. The turtle stair hop trick is where a Koopa Troopa comes down a set of stairs and you leap onto it at the correct time so that when you hit it, the shell hits the stairs and as it comes back to you, you manage to fall onto the shell again, causing it to bounce back and so on. When implemented, this allows you to leech points and gain insane amounts of extra lives. Wall jumping is defined as jumping against a wall or pipe in such a manner that a pixel or two of Mario is stuck in the wall or pipe and is able to use that to jump again, far higher than to, can be done normally. Further definition, Mario gonna... cannot be made to jump off a surface that is 90 degrees perpendicular uh, they spelled it wrong, to the ground. Please note this can be further used to also go through solid objects not normally passable as is disallowed. The alternative pipe usage refers to, for example, going through a lone brick while crouched to go through the wall and access World 1, whereas the pipes would normally be warp pipes to Worlds 2-4 respectively. Doubling back on World 8-4 to get to the underwater area is another example. Any questions? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I actually had to look up that wall jumping trick because I was not familiar with that one, and I found a video on YouTube. And apparently it is a thing, but you have to be really pretty skilled to be able to pull it off. Perhaps his skilled it is requires Triforce timing. Perhaps his Perhaps. skilled is Triforce Johnson, who also holds this world record at a million two hundred sixty-two thousand eight hundred, verified September twenty-fourth, two thousand eleven. Triforce yep. Johnson sounds like a porn name. I know. Maybe it is. Well, I'm going to look him up you on Facebook. Yes. So, with that. CEO and founder of Empire Arcadia, world record holder for Twin Galaxies and Guinness World Record. There you go. No Jenna Jameson, then. I don't have my world records in my Facebook profile. Maybe I should change that. I should put mine in there. Oh, they already are. I don't have any. (laughs) Well, yet, I still have to submit the uh, our world record attempts from Video Game Summit. That's true. I just Although have I have to say it. that when uh, when uh, on the latest No Quarter pod or not No Quarter on the latest Ten Pence uh, podcast, uh, Vert Vic Viper and uh, Sean Holly were talking about our Centipede slash Black Widow episode, and they were flabbergasted at my 125,000 score on Black Widow. I'm like number 22 or number 23 on Orcade with that score. Nice. Which kind of shocks me, but uh, there you are. I love that game. Oh, gosh, I love that game. So, alrighty, so I think that about does it for this episode Yay. of Pie Factory. Uh, first of all, we should probably reveal the theme. We really didn't have one, so I guess that's obvious these games are worthy pack-ins for the Nintendo Entertainment System. These are the arcade versions of games that were pack-ins for the NES. And both had Can two think of any arcade sort of, versions. Oh, and yeah, they, there were two different arcade versions, one for the PlayChoice 10 and one for the Verse uh, system. So Although, to be fair, the PlayChoice 10 version is basically the NES version just with a, a coin timer on it. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. this is probably our most lame theme to date. But They I both want... use the same palette of colors. Both games have vowels. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and something else they both had in common that I noticed, at least the versions that I played. I played both versions of Duck Hunt and the one version of uh, Super Mario Brothers. They both had, if you close your eyes, they both kind of sounded like uh, Donkey Kong 3. Yeah, kind of. Especially yeah. Duck Hunt. It depends on the level. Duck Hunt especially, yeah. Ooh, but ooh, ooh. Both have creatures that have wings. Ooh. Oh yeah, but but only yeah. one has creatures that have natural wings. Oh, and that being Mario, of course, he has wings. 
Yeah, this, let's just, these, these games were the the pack-ins for the Nintendo Entertainment System, the arcade versions. It's a pretty damn lame theme, but like I said, I wanted to talk about these because I thought these were kind of interesting uh, bits of arcade history. Yeah, for sure. And with that, first of all, we have to thank our Patreons, don't we? Sure. Patrons? Our Patreon sponsors, Kyle Etter, thank you. Richard Valdez, thank you. Underground Retrocade, thank you. Keith Sheehan, thank you. Rory Coleman, thank you. Jonas Rulo, thank you. Nate Lockhart, thank you. Greg Polander, thank you. And did I say Michael D'Angelo? Uh, I don't know. Say well, it again. Thank you, Michael D'Angelo. And uh, I think, did I say Rory, Col- Rory Coleman? Uh, yes, you did. Well, then forget it. Uh, and of course, thanks to Steve Tui and Tuiville. And thank you to our special guest, Tim Evans. Uh, Tim, uh, tell, you, us, tell us about you. Why are you on this podcast? I host a, a co host. I am player two of the Super Podcast Brothers podcast. Wait, uh, we, we are on a uh, June long hiatus right now, but we will be back in July. And we just kind of talk about whatever. And might I give uh, one extra thank you out there to Bobby Idad Moore. Bobby, got your package with the uh, 7800 power thingy and the video adapter. And uh, there was something else in there, too. I don't remember what it was. But uh, um, off the top of my head. But thank you for those, Bobby. And uh, you're awesome. And thank you, Tim, for being on the show. Thank you, Tim. Nope. No problem. I had a lot of fun. It was great. I, I, I <laughs> You don't wanted... have to lie. <laughs> I wanted to be on the podcast that Andy was on, uh, but I was extremely ill. But if anyone is caught up with Pie Factory and they want more podcasts, they can go to superpodcastbros.com or uh, facebook.com slash superpodcastbrothers. And I'm assuming you're on all the major platforms, Stitcher and iTunes. And I I also want to say thank you to Jimmy G for telling us what next week's games are. Well, maybe not yet. next week, but next episode. We didn't do that yet. Now, there is a possibility that, there, that this might be preempted for another episode. We don't I'm know so yet. Pumped that I get to hear this before anyone else. Yeah, well, because this episode isn't updated or isn't uploaded yet, so I get to hear wait this until Hyde works his magic. Yeah. The cool thing about but, the way we did this this one time is we're not using separate audio files. This is all one. And part of Hyde's contract is that we have to pre-synchronize the audio for him. Yeah. So make a, yeah. Make it, it makes it a lot easier on our part. So anyway, now next episode, do you want to mention the games we might be talking about next episode? I guess I can mention Two Tigers in 1942. There you go. And the uh, only reason I say we might be talking about these... Those are the next these, games we not... we're going to talk about. Those are the next games that are going to be in our next game-themed episode. However, if this thing that we're talking about doing happens, we might have some a special episode before that. Possibly. But Possibly. My, my statement still stands. The next game-themed episode is going to be about... 1942 and two tigers. However, if what we're talking about doing My, goes through, it still stands. And what I said be, is absolutely it'll still true. Still be a game themed episode. It might not be game themed though. Oh, ooh, tricky. Yeah, and um, I wanted next, to talk about two tigers. The next typical format Pie Factory podcast episode. 1942 okay, and two tigers. Why don't we just call it 1942 Tigers? Ooh, there you go. Talk about Detroit oh. baseball from pre-Jackie uh, Robinson. We have not had a special episode in a while. Well, this one was special. We had Tim. Yeah, uh, I didn't, I didn't, didn't say that the one that Andy much. was on was special. It's only special if they're both on at the same time. 
Which is no, just only half special. They're so not half sized, half bus. Well, what if we what if we like say something Andy would say? Then would that make it more special? Like if one of us says familiar or something? Uh, I can't wait till Andy hears this. <laughs> Screw you in the butt with a chainsaw. Yeah, pumping the monster. <laughs> exactly. I've been kind of using that little clip to work on my impersonation of Sean, or and, or and, Sean's impression of me, which I is pretty much my favorite thing ever. Let's get drunk and say. F- yeah, exactly. <laughs> We have a clip of Tim. No. Well, why don't we just get drunk and yell? <laughs> I think we should probably say goodbye. Goodbye. We might as well. It's 20 to 11 p.m. No, yeah, it is. 10.40. Yeah, we're all in the same time zone. So some of us got to get up at 5. Yeah, I have to get up at 5. I have to be on the train at 5.15. Tim Evans takes the mountain train. No. Oh, well, Tim Evans, Jimmy G, and uh, some fat guy named Sean. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It was great to be here, guys. I had a lot of fun. Bye-bye. Cartoon. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash Pie Factory Podcast. And guest starring Tim. <laughs> Hermit. <laughs> That's not a uh, a ten pence joke, is it? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I wish. Yeah, you create your own Legend of Zelda games. Create. Up- yeah. I was thinking of redoing the whole thing in the style of uh, Atari's Adventure. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be freaking awesome. And uh, but I have um you know lazy. So, uh, so it kind of makes it rough. Yeah, exactly. Somebody was asking me the other day why I don't play Minecraft. Because everybody at my work knows that I love video games. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, do you play Minecraft? And I was like, oh, no, God. And they said, why not? And I said, because I have a job. I, I already yeah. have a job. Honestly, after I gave up my World of Warcraft addiction, not too long afterwards, I started playing Minecraft. And I, can't, I-, I can't do Terraria or Minecraft or uh, any of those kind of games because it's, you know. I was watching Minecraft videos, and he loves playing it. Uh, I got him hooked on uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Nice. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, yeah, Minecraft, the same thing happened to me with Minecraft as it did with World of Warcraft. I was playing it one day, then I just realized I'm just not having fun anymore, and then just stopped playing. Yeah, you realize that, like, this isn't a game anymore, this is a job. Yeah, exactly. Although one time I did build a pretty kick-ass roller coaster in Minecraft, but, uh, you know. Are you guys both from Joliet? Yeah, yes and no. Sean was actually born in... Kankakee. Born in Kankakee, raised in Bourbonnais. We moved to Joliet when I was 11 years old. And in the BBS era, I saw this guy on the local BBS boards uh, named Dauber, and I was wondering... Hmm, wasn't Dauber yet. It, what was your handle? I, I kept changing it every couple of weeks, so I don't know what... I don't remember, remember what mine I was. Dauber but we I was got to talking. Oh, okay. We got to talking, and I realized this guy literally lived on the same street for me just three doors down. So, and that's how, you, that's how you guys met, was through uh, bulletin board systems? Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Well, one would think that. Well, I, <laughs> uh, Sean, I... Sean actually had a, Sean actually had a uh, bulletin board 
on his uh, on his Amiga. The only Commodore stipulation 64. was you actually or was it the oh, was it your 64? no, it was Amiga. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And the only stipulation was uh, you had to actually go to his house to log on to it. Really? Yeah, because I didn't have my own phone him. line. He didn't have his own phone line. Well, because I remember going to my uh, step or my my biological dad's basement when I was a kid, where he had all of his computer stuff, and oh, I remember he had okay. yeah, and and he had like a uh, an old I don't even know what it was. It must have been a Tandy or something, but it was an old computer hooked up with like he had four separate phone lines to plug into that thing. And that was the first time I ever saw the internet, and yeah. that Enter that was my the internet. He, you know, that was my introduction to BBSs, but I, at least it gave me the street cred of being able to say, yeah, I was on the internet back in the BBS days. I actually, for a very short time, run a, ran a, a BBS on the Coleco Atom. Really? Yep. 300 baud internal modem. and It was a nice software package, actually. <laughs> Pretty advanced for uh, for the uh, for the computer. That was actually a fun computer. I was so involved with that. But I wonder if anyone ever ran a BBS off the Auric Atmos in England when it had a 16-bit display. Wow. Or yeah. the Acorn Archimedes. Ran a BBS the Acorn Archimedes, yeah. Acorn Archimedes, oh my God. No, uh... <laughs> run a BBS off the Tommy Tudor. <laughs> And not the, oh. not the actual computer, the play computer. It was just a, a plastic toy with buttons. He's a guy who came to my house to teach me math named Tommy. He just ran yeah. it off of his head. It was weird. He was your tutor. <laughs> just going back to what we were saying before, I will not swear because I know it's uh, it's not your guys' jam. Uh, but I did want to uh, say that when I was a kid, one of the first things I remember was my I, well, not the first things I remember, but one thing that always sticks with me is my dad, my stepdad. I said like shit or something, and he said, "Hey, don't be fucking swearing." <laughs> and I, I was, once asked my mother what my first word was. Hand to God, she said, "Oh, your first word was." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It actually came out as it, but I knew what you were trying to say, and I know you picked it up from your father. That's great. Which is a big fat lie. My mother has the biggest potty mouth. Well, she was trying to absolve herself, though. That's insane. That's like some Zelda hitting the cuckoos. Ah, stop. <laughs> Sorry. Dang it. This is why I'm not a, a, uh, why I'm not uh, invited on the show more often is because I just can't help myself from cursing like a sailor. <laughs> well, that we just don't like you. Oh, that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why um, are we hey, this time? Uh, oh yeah, guilt. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You know what? I think we're, we should banish him to the Tinkle Pit for just a moment. Yeah. Go. Go, yeah, go visit Uncle Pit. Pooh. Here, here, I'll, go, I'll go escort him make sure he actually goes there and stays there. Are you going right. to do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? Okay, oh, good boy. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> good boy. 